Add some fun to your space with Extrify, designed in Sweden with focus on quality products built on experience. You're looking at Project 4, their fourth generation of products with super cool colorways to stand out, with matching sets to satisfy with a solid B4 bungee, lightweight ergonomic M4 mouse, the K4 keyboard is fantastic, all of which are performance focused, and finish it off with colorful GP4 mouse mats that are bold in design and smooth on the surface. The retro theme in particular has got the feels. Complete your setup with Extrify. No regrets, guaranteed. I'm in the house. And sector clear. But there is the window. Hate this patch. I'll take the fire through the pillar. Whatever. Play with Parimatch. Parimatch. Your esports teammate. Want to change your loadout, get new skins, or maybe cash out? Bitskins.com, the best skin site. Just log in with your Steam account, add your dream skins to your cart, and pay with crypto, credit card, or PayPal through our providers. Need some cash? We got you. Just list your skins, enter your desired price, and withdraw instantly with crypto or directly to your Visa credit card. Bitskins.com, buying and selling skins. Simple, fast, and easy. The nice thing about displays is they're super high quality and very easy to hang up. All you have to do is mount the magnet they provide you, then just stick the poster on the wall. Every art piece they offer is super collectible and looks great no matter where you place it in your house or room. Another wonderful thing about displays is they also look after the environment. Every poster someone buys, display will plant one tree. They've already planted over 14 million trees and they're still planting. So you're not just getting an awesome poster, you're also helping the environment. Gather round, gather round, step right up. Get your HLTV confirmed episode here. I don't know if you guys are back from the 40s when they used to have fairs and yell out things, but that's when I'm from. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, boys and grills, welcome to another episode of HLTV confirmed. Lucas, what episode number is it? 64? 64. Uh, we've nailed it. 64, the date, Friday the 19th of November 2021, the time 8 p.m. Just in case we have any time travelers watching. You now know exactly what you're dealing with. And you need to know about the sponsors who support this show. Extra Fly. If you want to look extra fly while you're fragging on out, head over there, pick yourself up a mouse pad, maybe a headset. You never know what you need. Bitskins.com. Buy and sell Cisco skins and items. Our uh, newest sponsor, we've got Display in the Mix. Metal posters for any uh, any decorative needs. You know, you want to spruce up a room, you want to look a little bit nicer, you want to have some movie posters, some anime, games, landscapes, animals, you name it. Check it out, display.com and Parimatch. Remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, another bit of housekeeping here before we get this one underway. Remember to visit anchor.fm slash TV for all your audio-only options. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. Uh, all right, that's enough beating around the bush. Lucas, what's the weather forecast this evening? No idea. It's like... No idea. It's it's an, it's almost night outside. You meant outside. to roll with the bit. You meant to roll the bit. You meant to go, yeah, Chad is looking good here from production, mate. You know, we're Smooth cruising at 19,000 feet. But, There's yeah. just no tech issues. We're looking fucking lovely. We're going in. You know, that, that's the bit. So next time we'll run it in a couple of weeks. People at home will have forgotten and we'll run it again. Just imagine if these intros people actually understood that they don't need to give like an actual answer to your question. It's just like more of a setup. Yeah, we're so rolling. We can say, 
Yeah, I mean, th this is essentially after like 80 episodes of HLTV Confirmed, this is something that I learned. People ask you something and then you just like say whatever you want. You don't actually yeah. have to answer the question. But you I just need to that. like, it just needs, yeah, exactly. You just need to like continue the flow. That's only that's the only thing that's important. It well, doesn't bro, matter what you're saying, actually. You had, the next, you had the next question coming your way. Are we hitting the ceiling of amount of shows we can run in a short period of time? Uh, yeah, this is, this is practically we're the max. We're maxing. Like we can never reach this again. This is not, this is not great. This it's is not great, optimal. but, but we had like a special opportunity here to get threat on and we we're like, it's worth, it's worth all of the hassle. It's worth like just not having any social life and, uh, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Striker. I uh, we need a yes or no answer from you. We'll get more into it in the show. So I want yes or no. All right. Okay. And then we're going to move on. Are sinners making roster changes? Uh, no. All right. Well, that was a quick one to answer. Now, on tonight's show, we got to keep tabs on the roster mania. We have an upset or two over there with V4, Blast 4 finals. And of course, we have the hot seat with none other than NIP's coach, Threat. Now, Threat, how awkward does it feel sitting there while I'm doing all the intros just waiting? Is it is it something you can you, you can live with that or does it get a bit awkward after a while? Yeah, well, slightly awkward. You know, never know what to say anything, uh, but yep. it's okay. Yeah, I think what I want to do like in the future, I might define like a couple of rules early just to, you know, you know, maybe there's a couple of podcasts I listen to. They make the guests wait. They bring the guest in early. I'm coming up with the balance still, but you're here, you're with us. And I can see it looks like you're in a hotel room, mate. Yeah, we're in Copenhagen, uh, boot camping for Blast. Uh, as many people know, we're half Danish right now. Um, so yeah, we're here a bit early. Some other teams are here as well. Um, it's just great. Okay. All right. What we're going to do is, Lucas, roll the bumper. We'll get into the hot seat and we'll dig into all those questions with Threat in a moment. All right. We're back. Now, those tech issues um, may come around and creep and, and, and be here with us this evening, but we'll do our best to solve them as we can go, everybody playing at home. And uh, now we are with the hot seat with Threat, and we're going to have a lot of things to dig into. Um, I, I don't know really the best place to be starting here, but when I was I just have, going... I have, a, I have one. I think yeah. The question for Threat is, can you move your microphone just a bit closer to your mouth? I think that's I, the first one, just a bit just like that and that is, i think that would be good i think that would be that's a Wait, question it is a question you're right even there there is no answer right is yeah. it better yeah. now Hello? i think it is i think it's louder i think it's 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 i think it's no 40 percent audio loss is not down to like 25 <laughs> so we're good i'd say <laughs> i'm not having any issues with with maybe it's just me maybe i'm just used used to the to the audio but is, do, you, do you have anything else prof or did you want to leave it no there? that's it um, okay. i'm done for the show you're done now? Goodbye. Right. It's been good having Prof here. No, look, honestly, I, when I was going back, I was like, all right, we got Thread on. We got a lot to talk about here, but I just want to look at like the online era, right? I just wanted to check out from when you rejoined NIP. So right, when you rejoined NIP, you came on and I think Peter was still there. And then you transferred across to be the head coach again in early 2020. But then I'm looking at it from like when you transferred to being the head coach. This is for everybody at home of what happened. Forrest left. He went to Dignitas. So Nork joins. Uh, then we have Hampus acquired and Lecro gets moved to the bench. Then Nork towards the tail end of the year in September gets placed on medical leave. He's not away for that long. He comes back, right? Then we move into 2021 and this is where the madness really begins. So a couple of roster changes since you've been there early in, in 2020. And then now twist benched ZTR in from young ninjas. And then the next thing is twist is gone. You had device Nork gets fucking put transfer listed ZTR back to the young ninjas. LNZ comes in and now we've got S attack. So in that space of just under two years we're talking about, mate, there's, it feels like you haven't had a stable roster for longer than like four months. Does that, how does that yeah. feel? 
Well, it depends on how, how you view it, right? If you look at the first year in 2020, um, we came into that year, we picked up Nork, uh, which was kind of a big pickup. People didn't know how good it would be. Um, and we only actually did one change throughout that entire year. And that, that was Lecro for Hampus, right? That was in May, I think, after one of the RMR tournaments, if I remember correctly. Um, and then we said, okay, we're going to give this lineup a, a shot. And obviously, because of the, the state of the world with Corona, we had a lot of tournaments, a lot of tournaments. Um, and at the end of the year, obviously, our results wasn't that good. We had a really good run in the RMRs, which, which was a bit unfortunate, because obviously the, the major was cancelled, and we lost all our points. Well, not all the points, but we got like 600 um, for having the third highest in Europe, I think. Um, but we kind of knew that we had to make some changes at the end of, of the year, right? I think it was a loss versus Cloud9 uh, in Blast that kind of triggered this last year. Uh, actually, versus S-Attack as well. <laughs> uh, so at that point, we started building uh, uh, the talent team because we felt like we wanted to look for some younger talents in Sweden. Um, we started that project, uh, and obviously we didn't have that much time, so we sort of just got it running. And we had like one last hurrah with the with the old lineup in the first tournament of the year. Uh, I don't. I think it was I am Katowice. I don't actually remember which one it was. Um, anyway, didn't go that well. And we sort of thought, okay, we're just going to go for it. We're going to pick a player from uh, from Young Ninjas immediately. And we just picked the players that had performed the best. Uh, we picked Eric, Satyar, and we just went from there. Okay. Well, I, that catches us up for a lot of uh, all the changes that, that happened and whatnot. I, I think that the most curious one, we obviously had Hampus on the, on the show a little bit earlier in the year talking about uh, having players coming in from that uh, academy roster. And, and how it, it doesn't still feel super stable, I think, kind of from an in-game leader perspective. How does it feel from a coach perspective? Do you prefer it this way that you're like, well, this guy's not performing and I can now, I can just bench him and we can have someone come in who might put in the hard yards? Because I, I guess you have the best optics on all this, right? You get to actually see how much work these players are putting in if they're improving on the issues that you sit there and talk to them about. Like, Do you like the way the system's going? Because I think Prof, Striker and myself are fans of having the coach having a lot of say in this regard. Is Is that how it works with you? Um, yeah, definitely. It's it's me and uh, your, your favorite guy, Jonas Gunderson, who makes most of the, the decisions. <laughs> we're good mates. Yeah, we're good mates. Perfect. Um, yeah, but that's kind of how it works, right? And every time I make one of these hard decisions, I sort of have a list of pros and cons. And obviously, changing players is bad for like the team play and tactics, because every time you do that, you sort of reset everything. Um, a little bit because you need to change some positions. You need to like find your groove again. Maybe you have a rough tournament, and obviously that is a con. So every time we do this, we sort of have to think like, do we believe this in, in this lineup in the long term? But it's better now to actually change it for the long term. So an example here is that that's why you have silly season after the major, like for obvious reasons, because you need to build a lineup for the major. After the major, I mean, I mean, sure, we changed one player, but you see even crazier changes in Vitality, Liquid, and all of those teams, right? Yeah. And that's basically it, right? And we, we believed at those points that we, we, we hadn't found the lineup we wanted. Um, and that's why we kept changing. Because it sort of felt like it would be even a more waste of time to keep pushing something we, we didn't think would work. Cool. Shark, so, you got anything? Yeah, nice. Yeah, so did you want to... I mean, okay, I'll start with this. Obviously, like whenever a change happens and we're kind of like, we here as, as people who don't really see into the background or at least not all of it, 
like we're not sure who really makes the decisions and obviously like you were saying that you know, that you make them with with Jonas but is there like a percentage of like how much of it is you does he have like a veto power that is like like does he have the final say like how does that work really like the the dynamic between you two yeah well like obviously you have like the the one who is like actually has power in any company or like shareholders but who has like who controls it like the ceo uh the coach that is is us too so we we make the decisions and obviously if you're gonna make like a major transfer like device there are other things in play that we can't control obviously so we, we sort of have to um play ball with the rest of nap and like the other organizations uh to make it work right i mean Sure, I would like. Yeah, I would love to have simple on my team, but sure, like I still have to play by the rules, right? Yeah, yeah. So, what what other people have? Where you're looking into? I'm sure, like the the young talent team. I mean, that's obviously a big risk to take. You know, to to grab one of those guys and just like put him into a tier one team and have to play like some of these tournaments, right? So, was there were there other people that you just couldn't get uh, from the outside or just like were waiting for the right opportunity? What what was that like? Uh, it, it was sort of a mixture, I guess. We had uh, had. We're in talks with some other players, right? Uh, but none that would, was really interesting. And I always liked the idea of picking some really young one that could have sort of become something rather than picking someone you knew were probably on the decline. So that guy at least has potential, right? So uh, I don't think it was that we picked a player from Young Minas and sort of, yeah, we're just going to have you until we find the, the right one. Like we truly believed and we, we really gave them a shot and we really try to make it work right and that, that's we, we we do that with all the players we pick into the team that right there wouldn't be a, a bad place to to keep the conversation going because having both of these individuals come in lnz and ztr what what kind of roles would you say that you gave them because obviously when you have other names around them we know that hampus is going to be more in, aggressive with the in-game leading stuff then res is going to take a few more of those star positions with these guys it felt like they were just destined to take you know one of the uh, the bitch roles, right? For other 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 words of it. And these are young kids who don't have a huge amount of experience. And those roles, you need to be a little bit more patient or you're going to be in clutch situations a little bit more like we saw with LNZ towards the tail end there. He was starting to get a bit better in, in the clutch and stuff. Would you say that these guys got like pigeonholed into positions that were just remaining and, and you tried to, to make do with them? Because I, I get what you're saying in terms of going for the younger players. Um, that's unrealized and untapped potential there. Uh, but to fit into the team, like, was it a struggle from your perspective because they're unproven? Like, how did that whole balance have to get struck? Because you obviously want a championship squad, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, sh sure, um, with, with, with the, the bitch roles, right, sort of the, the supportive roles, we, the idea was we really wanted someone to go in and embrace those roles. Because if you look at the rest of the lineup, I think we really ha had the star players in sort of, uh, well, obviously, rest at that point. Even Hampus is a playmaker. Uh, so I didn't feel like, felt like we had room to put someone of those uh, in there. Uh, so on that, that's why we actually picked uh, the IGLs of Young Nunez most of the times. So I had chats with them, and I could clearly tell they had a good idea what was going on in game. Uh, I think the biggest mistake I made um, uh, was that I was sort of uh, conditioned being in the scene for such a long time. And it was such a long time ago, I came from like the lower tiers of CS a very long time ago. So uh, my expectations were like really high in some regards. And I didn't really help them to get into the tier one CS as good as I should have, I think. Uh, but when it comes to the roles, that's actually the role we try to find the perfect fit for. And maybe it is the wrong role to look for someone 
uh, in the in the talent team, right? Because being in that role, you sort of need a lot of experience. So yeah, I would say that might have been a mistake. Yeah, I think that that's kind of a good thing to catch on to. It's something that I actually wanted to ask about. Uh, you bring in an academy player into the main roster, uh, and like the whole academy project also just went a lot faster than it was originally planned. Like the announcements were like, we'll help out some league and something. And then like five days later, okay, now we have a team. And like two weeks later, oh, our team is top 50 in the world. Like what, what the fuck is going on? And then a month later, ZTR is in, in, in NIP, right? That's almost how it went. Maybe not exactly, but everything went a lot faster. But when you got the player in, in NIP, what are the things that you that you kind of uh, what are the things that were maybe more like underrated in terms of what you expected what the expectations were and what you needed to work on uh the most with a with a young player going into into a top team yeah so, so the expectations i had was that when we bring in someone that's really hungry uh, that would probably motivate the players a lot because i think that's been a real struggle in sweden compared to denmark uh, so there's have been some sort of people have been a bit content in sweden because we, we have the era which was a long time ago now um but we sort of get stuck in those ways like everyone sort of wants to become a star player uh so my expectations weren't we're going to bring in someone more inexperienced he might make a few mistakes but he's going to bring a lot of energy which actually eric or setiar uh, did that at, at that point and i think i mentioned that in a few other interviews um probably now together with s attack because he's really impressive as well uh has the best comps of any players i worked with right Okay, nice. Um, I, I think what we could do is we could pivot here into the other Dane device, right? Obviously, the first Dane. Um, this is probably because Fnatic now, right, uh, are no longer heavily Swedish and NIP have now added a second Dane. This device move at the time probably didn't feel like it was going to be such a big deal. But now, in hindsight, it, it kind of is, right? So having device come onto your table, what, what, what was the first moment you learned about this? Yeah. Uh, it was actually Jonas who told me, and maybe my first reaction because we had a lot, lot of poor tournaments at that point, and I was like, like why? <laughs> uh, but like in the afterwards, I sort of understood it. Like Astralis has been sort of shaky. You had the previous year, we had uh, obviously all the problems with Cipex and Glaive. Um, so I could sort of understand it later, but I, I actually didn't believe it. I thought it was like, yeah, okay, maybe they had some rough time or something. And he just contacted his agent or something. I didn't know, right? Um, then like uh, a few weeks later, it sort of became reality, which was insane. Like I, I really couldn't believe it, but he was sort of on the list. You have some players that they're so good that you will just take them if the po you're possible to take them, right? Yeah, and I, I think the thing is, this kind of it was actually one of Counter Strike's better kept secrets, right, boys? Like, to Striker, we didn't we didn't know this one was coming. We didn't we do the show in the middle of the day because it blindsided no, us so much. Yeah, I You're, think we knew like an hour ahead of time, which is like very surprising with this with this movie. Yeah. yeah, so like it 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 caught us off guard. Surprisingly, kept a surprise. Um, but like, and we always talk about it on the show, like from Nork's perspective, when, you know, threat comes, knocks on the door and says, hey, mate, uh, you, you're getting benched. And he goes, for who? He goes, device. It's like, yeah, fair enough. Like, that's the kind of conversation where it's like, yeah, well, th this this is happening, right? Um, but having device come to the team, we obviously had the the highly contentious video with what the five steps ahead or whatever the fuck it was. But <laughs> other than like all of that funny business, like having device come across to the team, did you notice like it had an immediate effect on the rest of the, of the squad? 
Yeah, I, I did. I mean, uh, when we had the meeting, it was very unfortunate that I, I really wanted to talk to them earlier, right? But uh, for obvious reasons, we couldn't really tell them until the last second because there were so many moving pieces at that time. Um, and when we told them, they were, like, of course, a bit sad for team, but also very excited because it sort of felt like we, we had the struggles the entire 2020 and 20, the beginning of 2021. We had some good tournaments, but we still felt like we were missing something. We were sort of didn't even uh, get into the top 10 yet. Um, so I think, I think they were all really excited and um, just having someone with so much experience and not only that, having someone who's used to winning tournaments because that was something we were lacking uh, at that point. So I think like this transfer as a whole, uh, Striker, do you have anywhere to go with the conversation around that? Like, cause for me, I'm interested mainly in like the rest of the team and the way it all right. worked around him there, but there's probably, I'm probably overseeing a couple of things here in terms of, um, maybe a PR perspective or is, I don't, is right. there anything I mean, in there that we, that we missed? There's, there's one thing that I would like to ask about, which is like one of those, one of the pieces from that video that, that Chad referenced with the five steps ahead thing. He was like, obviously like the very, the big sentiment from device was like, I want to get into your team and you know, I don't want to make this the new Astralis. So that's not going to be about me, you know? So how did that work? How much, how much did he bring, you know, to like changing maybe a little bit about of the team to, to build around himself? How much the team did the team adapt to him and the other way around really? Uh, so every time we bring in a new player, I, I just want to be very clear with them that we we don't really want them to sort of uh, assimilate into our system. It, it's, we want that player to bring his own game, right? And just play around that. So we always have to change something. If you don't change anything when you bring in a new player, you're probably doing something wrong. Um, so we really, like, we didn't want to copy everything Astralis is doing. But every time you have a new player, they have experiences from other teams. We just want to copy what worked for, from any other team, right? The, the exact same way you would copy a strat, right? Um, so we just talked to him. Um, I felt the digital Astralis took some of that right, and mostly we just kept things the same, to be honest. And uh, he really enjoyed it, but they just changed uh, things in game around him. What was the? Yeah, whoever wants to go. Yeah, how much do you think you changed for him and, uh, specifically? Maybe is there something that you can point out that um, that um, you changed to accommodate him a little bit better than what you had previously? Um, so at the start, we didn't. Uh, I think we didn't accommodate him enough in, in the sense that we, we had the younger players and we sort of felt like, okay, now we're getting the star who's very experienced and I sort of wanted to, him to become the captain. And I think uh, that was a big mistake by me because he sort of uh, lost his mojo a bit. And then being the top three player, like I don't know how many years in a row it was. Uh, and that's sort of, I think that was one of the main reasons why his form sort of declined a bit, because he sort of had to take more of a, a leadership role within the team, not an IGL, but sort of leading the other players to, to win tournaments. Um, as for the, like, actually in-game, I, I think we just want to put him in positions where he has a lot of freedom. I think most other teams do this. Usually see the, their strats is usually based around four people, letting the offer sort of roam around, uh, except for some sort of, sort of few uh, specific strats where we want the offer to do something very specific. We just wanted him to do his own thing. Um, yeah, yeah I, I want to... Uh, there's another quote that often get mentioned that's like, like signing Cristiano Ronaldo. And now, like, do not go into into too much jokes around it uh i guess the idea of that is like you sign someone like device you have the star power you're instantly gonna feel the effect of this player coming into your team 
So it'd be it like in the, in his individual performances, what he brings to the team, like how other people react, like, did, did you feel were there in the early days, at least some things that you felt like, oh shit, this is like the device effect. Now, now we have this going for us. Uh, well, not in the beginning because of the just said mistake that I made, I think, because he did struggle a bit in the first a few tournaments. Uh, the, yeah, the, oh, yeah, the first tournament was also the the anonimo oh, the, uh, the anonimo flashpoint thingy right so yeah. we already had all the pressure that happened sort of was really hard to sort of stay focused in that tournament after that obviously we still came second place uh, but I don't think device was happy with his performance I think we saw a very very good performance from rest of the tournament um, so at that point uh, obviously we became better because we got our first second place I, I think that's very clear I mean I don't want to sort of take credit for our uh, peak in performance this last eight months because, I mean, there's an obvious change we did. And we did that change to the device. And we were sort of outside of the top 10. And now we're in the top five. And I would even say we're sort of consistently in the top five. Okay. Uh, do we want to stick with the device point, boys? Or do you want to move into talking a bit more about the, the rookies? Because I wouldn't mind on. going there. Yeah, and we can jump into device stuff later because I think it will overlap with some other conversation we have. So... Um, the, the ZTR-LNZ swap, right? Um, this one here is is also quite curious because it is during this device time, right? Now, what what is it that you saw in LNZ that you didn't see in ZTR? Was it just that you, you didn't think you were getting enough output from him and you wanted to try another option? Or, you know, what, what was... Because for viewers at home, it's probably much of a muchness for the two players, really. Uh, so we saw some individual struggles from ZTR, uh, when he went to tier one in our team, right? So we, we gave him, he was really strong at the beginning. Then he sort of uh, became a bit nervous. I think he started to lose some confidence because I don't think he really wanted to be in some positions he were in. Um, and at that point, we said, okay, are we going to change positions or are we actually going to try another player? And after long discussions, we settled to try LNC, the other IGL. Um, and he has been, he had performed really well at that point. I think Young Ninjas even got into the almost top 30. They didn't go top 30, but they almost went to top 30, right? Uh, they beat a lot of good teams like Endpoint. Uh, so that's where we really got interested in picking someone up there again. And uh, I think it was the struggles and the issues with confidence from Eric at that point that made us want to do the switch. Uh, it was a bit unfortunate that it was very, very sudden. Um, we had so many tournaments, so it was sort of the place where we, we there were no good time to do it. Hmm. And at the end, we just said, okay, we just need to do it now. And uh, it's also because we were mid-tournament, it was hard like getting the players involved because we do want to prepare them, right? Um, and I think in hindsight, maybe we should do the, have, have done it in another timing, uh, but I think it had to be done. Okay. I just wasn't there wasn't there sponge some some rumor that it wasn't maybe it wasn't just LNZ the, the player that you wanted to bring in that like Nilo at the time was someone that was, you're considering or is it know, Nilo? Is that Rolf? Okay. Rolf? I don't know. No, if it's an L the, or the, not. the rumor was about Nilo. I remember this, and I, I actually had something to do with uh, who we would have as a sixth player on some some on some of these tournaments, right? And there was some discussion. And that discussion that we wanted Nilo as a sixth turned into something else, turned into something else, and then it turned into, oh, they can't get Nilo, but it was for uh, that being just a standard at that point, right? Okay. 
I'm a bit. Do you have much to do with the academy team? Like, or are you completely removed from it other than when you want to grab a player? Like, you have a look and see what's going on. Do you like in the day to day? Is it anything that you get like a, a say in how it's being run? Well, right now, no. In the beginning, the idea was actually having me work with them sort of one day a week, being in some of the scrims, sort of talking uh, constantly with their coach, uh, uh, currently Slap. Um, but it turns out uh, with the tournament schedule of the year, mm. like it, it just didn't work. I was too optimistic about this. It's something I'm, I'm really sad about because we did it in the first few months. and uh, I felt it... Uh, it did really help because I got a completely new perspective. I mean, even if they're playing lower tier CS, just coaching another team, you just see some other ideas they're doing. It's like, oh, you can actually approach this position this way. I didn't think about that, right? Mm. Um, but due to the tournament schedule, that sort of has been... It has not been run in the way uh, we wanted it to be uh, because I think we were slightly optimistic about the time because there have been a lot of tournaments. Sure. Uh, one of the things that I saw the other day from uh, ZTR at the Academy League, he, mm-hmm. he did an interview with HLTV. Now, I only read the headline, which is pretty classic <laughs> for me. Uh, but the headline read, uh, I tried to take as much as I could from Hampus and implement into the into this team. Do you think, like, let's just grab that as a concept for a second, right? So when he gets demoted back down to the Academy League uh, team and he takes Hampus's style or the best he could learn over the 50-odd maps he played with, with the boys in the, the Tier 1 team, do you think that's better for being able to grab these players in the future? If if ZTR is trying to run something similar or something that is even just spawned off the way that Hampus approaches the game and these guys get you know promoted, do you think that's a positive to have or would you prefer to have it the way you were just saying where maybe they look at things a little bit differently and then they could, could bring that? This is more of just a personal preference question, I guess. Yeah, I think it's very good because then they sort of, they get into tier one and they sort of see what things like clearly doesn't work in tier one. So it won't be the sort of problem we had with both these players, right? Where they sort of eventually run into a brick wall because they notice, okay, we can't actually do all of this stuff. Like one of the things that's very different, like very different is the amount of preparation teams do, Mm. which basically nullifies a lot of strats you want to do, right? Because it's sort of the thing like you can only run this once. But at the tier two, tier three, you know, with a sort of a fiend movie star level where they play official, they play each other all the time. They don't have time to add the strats, so they can sort of have the same playbook, right? And just having those lessons, sort of mixing it with the sort of younger style and preparing it for tier one, I, th- I think that's really good. Okay. Uh, boys, you got anything more on this? The academy stuff, LNZ, uh, LNZ, Linus, same guy, LNZ, ZTR, anything on those boys? I mean, in general, I, I wanted to talk about Linus just uh, at least to to kind of brush off on his personality because I was I was kind of impressed with the way that he's handled the pressure. I didn't I never felt like he was very nervous when he was playing, at least not towards you know after he got like over the the initial jitters or anything like that. And even like when I was watching him at the major, it was fucking perfect to finally see some players like in person and just like seeing them react live when a match is going on and stuff like that. It always kind of like adds a adds another level of perception for me and. Like in general, he was the guy kind of like trying to bring up people and just like get them back focused when you guys were like in the middle of the fucking Copenhagen Flames game and just like went oh to like double overtime and stuff like that. So is, am I getting the wrong impression? Was he this way? Was he this kind of calm? Uh, yes. And I, I would sort of go back to what I said about Setior, right? He like had like very good communication. Same, same with LNC. I mean, you were there for the Copenhagen Flames match. Uh, Linus was probably the one that hyped the team the most. Right. And that's what we're really looking for in these young players. They, they just love CS so much. They want to do everything to become better. Uh, I think so. The, 
why we did the change was sort of a, like the, the mistake I made earlier that I mentioned where uh, sort of with the roles that we sort of noticed in these roles, you sort of need someone that's more experienced and takes more initiative. So it's actually a bit more technical. You actually saw Vitality, Apex said, said the same thing uh, about Kyoto in an interview. We're sort of like, he, he can shoot really hard, but uh, the thing you don't see as a spectator is where they don't do something. So it's like they don't take initiative to do something. It's not that Linus can't do it uh, or he doesn't know how to. It's just sort of, it's much harder to do that in a good way at the tier one scene, right? Uh, and in that position he had, maybe it's supposed to be unfortunate he had that position, that's like really important. Uh, and then when you get a player like uh, uh, Tag, obviously, who is sort of meant for that role, the, the player that sort of can glue the team together, we just felt like this was the way to go forward. And this, considering the major was just done, uh, it's going to be still the season regardless, uh, we just sort of push the trigger. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll just use that to jump straight into the Esatag stuff. That's like a perfect segue there. We can always dial back into to the major and, and, and how that all went from your perspective. Um, but the the Esatag pickup here, it's kind of happened and there hasn't been like a massive fanfare, but there also hasn't been people like, oh, this is a shit decision. Like people are like, yeah. Did you, you, know, did like, you read the comment? <laughs> no, well, maybe I'm just saying, from my opinion, I'm just like, yeah, you know, okay. What open, are the comments open, open, open up the article at oh, 50%. King gets a tag, amazing player, let's go. And 50% is like absolute trash, recycle bin player, <laughs> six team, <laughs> a peacemaker, but as a player, it's like, it's just like everyone's, not everyone, 50%, it's very you black and white. 50% though, right? I feel like it's very black it and white. It was very, very, yeah. very uh, kind of contentious in, the, well, that, in that... the comments. It was one way or the other. It wasn't like, well, I mean, I can understand this movie. It's like either it's it's amazing or it's fucking trash. Like that's like the <laughs> maybe yeah, well, that's why I ended other. up in the middle. Maybe this is why because it's fifty fifty either way, and I'm just like, yeah, like I I I don't think like it's not a it's not a signing that you know blows your socks off, right? We're not. It's not like the device signing, but no, nothing else could really be like the device signing, right? Unless you got simple and Zaiwu, and then you had device simple and Zaiwu, and then then we're really talking. Now we're really having a crack, but. Um, with with the S tag one, it's like, yeah, okay, I can see it's going to fill the, that role that they need. Um, but is is the hope here threat that you get the S tag that was playing on Astralis for that short stint, just lighting everybody up for that little online? Like, is that is that the type of S tag that you're expecting to get? Well, yes, in some ways, um, we, we do want him to sort of obviously be his own player, and. The good thing about him is that he, he truly embraces those positions. It's not like, oh, do I have to play the bitch roles? Like, oh, he's buying kit on the pistol round, guys. It's like, no, I have the perfect flash. I'm going to do this, this, this. You sort of need that player. And something we're really lacking, and I'm going to be a bit harsh here, right? Something we're actually lacking in Sweden in general. Mm. Because a lot of the players just want to be sort of the, the, the star player. And if you look at Fnatic right now, sort of, Crims is sort of a bit of an anchor, but you sort of have Brawl in there as well, right? Who's also the star player. Like, which team would you go to to find a, a Swedish experienced sort of uh, support player? It's, it's really hard. Like, maybe we should check the HLTV comments. I mean, unfortunately, I don't <laughs> use them <laughs> as a base when I make these decisions. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, sometimes there's some gold inside, I have to say, especially when we, when we do some like lower tier articles like you know a top 30 top 40 team it's like this this team is like making a change you go into the into the comments instantly some guys saying like they are picking up this guy 
and you know it's gonna happen they know everything about these teams so there there's there's something inside maybe you should uh refer to them sometimes i've got one for everybody at home right now this is like live i just refreshed the thread title is furia fix and the comment reads one move permanently to europe and stop smurfing on na two Find a superstar beta orpa like every winning team does. Right there, you go. <laughs> yeah, but this is how I do my job. This is how I do my job. I just wait for the NIP thread of like the top three comments. Call Jonas. It's like, did you see the comments? Like, yeah, <laughs> and it all works out. Yeah, yeah and every, everybody's perfect. smiling. Um, no, but okay. So, so the Esatag assumption here, right, is that he can bring some experience here because obviously, other than Device and Res. Plopsky and Hampus at this level of Counter-Strike, even though it feels like saying Plopsky's been there forever, he really hasn't, right? He is still a young individual as a player. So having Esetag here coming in to be a bit more of that experienced member of the team and doing some of that dirty work you were talking about before and how it's something that he enjoys doing, it's going to motivate the team in that way. Um, and the fact that you're saying that it's, it's struggling at the moment in terms of finding players like that in Sweden. So is is this... You tried, you know, you had a couple of attempts. You had a couple of youngsters. You gone, all right, let's try and mold them into the player we need. Oh, we can't do it. Oh, we have to get an import in here of a Dane. Like, is is that hard for you to do as a Swede? Like now that all after the the levy got broken with device, there's no problems now. You just have all the Danes come in. Yeah, well, it is a bit rough, and as, as I mean, especially after the major, um, like seeing all the NIP fans there sort of represent the thing Sweden. Uh, but at the same time, after like looking at the final, looking at Navi's current lineup, and you sort of have to uh, be completely honest with yourself. Like, what are we trying to do here? Like, are we actually trying to become the best team in the world? Right. And I think all the top 10 teams have that goal. And then, okay, what decisions do I have to make? Because I sort of owe it to the fans in some way, rather than sort of players. So I, I think that, that was sort of uh, why we made that decision and we felt like it had to be done and also like we keep talking Swedish so when we oh. play it doesn't feel Danish if that makes sense I mean if we would have changed to English I think that would have uh, been very very different but I mean the core is still Swedish we still um, speak Swedish um, and I think that maybe is the way to go for a lot of Scandinavian teams uh, in the future because I mean, we're simply just fewer people here, and we're sort of, sort of speaking the same language. Is, is keeping that language, like, be it Swedish or let's say Danish and or whatever, but not going international, not going to English, is that one of the core principles for you guys? Uh, well, I don't want to say anything. <laughs> okay. Say like we would never I do something. Right there. <laughs> um, you said you said if if a player becomes available, you'll take him. So if you take take Simplor or or yeah, well, Simplor or something like that, you're kind of fucked. Yeah, me. You, you have no option. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if simple. Yeah, Jonas calls like yeah, simple. It's like okay, this doesn't make any sense. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, I think so because in our team, at least, I mean, sure, like. We're decent at, at English, but we definitely have a better flow in Swedish. And most Danish people, they're very good with languages. And it's so similar to Swedish that we're just going to keep it that way for now. I mean, if we would go international in some future, um, I definitely see there would be sort of more changes. But I just can't see it happening right now. And yeah. as a tag, I, it was in the device interview you did, right, Prof, where they spoke about the, the language? Yes. And with they, with, said. they said, if I didn't just read the headline, they said <laughs> they said that uh, Esetag's a smart boy, right? And he's yeah. gonna he's gonna learn quickly, and device will help him translate anything that he doesn't understand 
off out the gates. Yeah. Is that basically the gist? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and kind of like teach him, teach him, you know, oh, this is how we say something in Danish, but this is how we say, say it, you know, in Swedish, there are these terms. We say this, they, they use this. It's kind of similar and yeah, kind of break it down into, and because everyone language. has a dictionary. <laughs> Uh, everyone has Google Translate, but it's about understanding what it means, right? Exactly. So, like, actually, what we notice in these few practice days that in-game, it actually works really well. There have been very, very few misunderstandings, but talking, like, regular conversations, and we're getting, like, we're talking in Swedish, we use a lot of, uh, I don't know, slang, what do you say? I don't know the English yeah, word slang. for that. Slang. Um, then it becomes much harder. Like, that's where we struggle a bit, right? But in-game, it seems completely fine. I mean... It, even when we changed to like Linus um, or Eric or even device no Swedish, it takes a while because you, you still have your own language in game. I, I sort of think like most teams have their own language in game and the sort of time where you sort of definitely need to better, have a better flow is in those crazy mid-round situations. Like the 3v3s, you have 30 seconds, you need to explain something, it's, it's going to be very hard if you're not sure what you're saying. So Fun one here, uh, maybe not so fun. If device and Esetag are left last alive in a two v three or whatever, are they speaking Danish or English? Danish uh, or Swedish? Uh, it's been a mixture. I think. Okay. If it's there's like ten seconds of silence, they can sort of notice. Okay, it's only us. Then they speak Danish. But sometimes you're sort of in the middle of the action, they just keep speaking Swedish. Okay. I was gonna say like I was gonna flip it if you're like no, they they keep speaking Swedish. What if you were in like the semi final on the final round that it was a two on four? <laughs> do you want them to keep speaking Swedish or did you did you maybe want them to speak Danish for for that moment there? But um, that that makes sense, right? This is the I have a question. I yeah. have a question yeah. because before we go too far, uh, we're talking about this role as a tag as a signing. You said sponge. It's like neither here nor there. It's like, okay, but it's not the ex most exciting thing. And maybe also not the thing that people were talking about as a potential signing for NIP over the last six months while you have this academy player and saying like, okay, it's an academy player, but someone's gonna, when, when, when it's possible after the major will have, you know, a signing and it happened with as attack. But the two names that came up, I think originally for me, it was Crims, and you mentioned him now as a potentially anchorish type type player, as a player that, from what we know, his like fanatic contract is running out kind of soon. Is it the thing that you mentioned earlier about people like being kind of in the late stages of their career that you weren't interested, or like what is it about Crims that you think that couldn't fit this role? Uh tough question so i like i i just make clear like it's not like we had a like do you want crims or not yeah crims right is now. free just press press here <laughs> yeah exactly course, like, but... it really like that. but it's uh um i don't know like obviously being older is a, a big minus but it's not the end of the world it's sort of like if he was the perfect fit and we really needed someone with experience for that role we would go for it and like he would be very close i would even see you uh, definitely times where we would have picked him up if we had the chance, right, in some other scenarios. Uh, but at the times where we were making changes, uh, that, was, that wasn't the case. Uh, and it is, like I said, there's so many pros and cons with every player that you have to take into consideration, and it's short-term and long-term, right? When you have these many tournaments, it's, uh, it's very easy to think, like, oh, we just need to win Blast now. Uh, but there's so many tournaments. I always try to view sort of a CS as a marathon and not a sprint. You sort of need to be consistent. I mean, you can lose both pistols, and you look, 
win a one on one, you lose the next round, it's like six one. I mean, we sort of had that versus Skade um, at IM Fall. We were down like eight one, and it felt like we didn't even play CS yet. We, we managed to save that win, but we could have easily lost the map like uh, to, towards someone like. Mm. Not that Skate is bad, but we were sort of one tier above, right? Yeah, no, I think it was Kyle I mean, in that game. Yeah, and I mean, just talking about Fnatic, it's not like uh, Fnatic a month and a month and a half ago. I feel like Frims would be super available, and as you said, like Fnatic now they made changes. Now they're doing well. I'm not sure if Frims is available now, right? Maybe he the the belief in the in the lineup is restored. A lot of these things change very fast, so that's also kind of props to Fnatic for their transfers over the last two months, like. Going out early from the major and just figuring out like if, if we wait until the end of the major, it's not gonna finish great for us. So, uh, so some good shit done there. Uh, people are mentioning Forest. It's like Forest is just like a five times worse example of Crims in terms Player of like being old. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't even think that like if you want to if you want to say say something to the to the people, please please because even simple was like oh Forest to NIP. So people are love simple and think that's the truth. But can it be the truth? Well, it like depends. But I, I think as you get older and you reach thirty, you you sort of it's very hard to not have other things in your life sort of come in, and you need to focus on on them. And I think it's very easy for people to like force maybe watching the major and seeing a tournament. It's like oh, I want this again, and he remembers it. But you sort of forget about all the hard work you have to put in and all the hard times you have to go through. I mean, this is not for everyone. Like definitely not for everyone. This is very, very tough. Uh, and just having one of those players sort of where they are in their life, getting back into it, putting in the grind now that you have to get even harder that, than you did before. It's, it's not impossible, obviously. But as I said, right, we have to make these very hard decisions. It's not going to be a good one. I mean, then he has like, oh, I'm going to change my life. I didn't got to play all the time. I don't know if that would happen, right? Uh, it's not that he's not skilled enough. I, I I don't believe that once you reach 30, like reflexes are too so bad you can't play anymore. I don't think that's the case. I just think it's very, very hard to stay that hungry for a long time. And I mean, we see this in other sports as well, right? So just like, I don't know how many, like if someone is about 40 or 50 in sports, they're like legends. And that's because it's so rare. It's so rare that you want to do this for such a long time. And I'm saying this as a 33-year-old sitting here. Uh, but I, like, I can sort of feel it myself sometimes. Like if you have to put in so many hours and don't have time to have a social life uh, to some degree. And uh, then you, you lose a tournament, right? And it's just very, very tough. Yeah, I, I don't know how like... Uh... I think like Simple was playing like a couple of days after winning the major. I know there's more tournaments coming, but just to be able to do that, I remember like back in the day when tournaments would end, whether you won it or you lost it, people would go and they'd take like a whole week or two weeks off before they would stop touching Counter-Strike again. After, like, and I'm talking like right back in the day. I'm not talking, you know, a couple of years ago at all. But like that that's kind of the sentiment that you've just put out there that I I feel when it comes to these players getting older, that things in their life, they just take priority and, and it's super hard to, to look past those things. But while we're on the topic of um, Swedish Counter-Strike players, we asked this question, I think it was two shows ago, and I still don't think we have like a great answer. But uh, Threat, from your position, who do you think right now is the best Swedish Counter-Strike player in the world? Ampus. Ampus. Yep. Okay. All right. Right now. And it's, this is, because it's been very, like changing a lot, even during this year. Uh, at some point, I would have said the Riss, 
Uh, and to be fair, like with Fnatic, Fnatic, the way they're playing, sure, they haven't played any Tier 1 uh, teams, but they're playing really good. Like, really good. And Brolin is, uh, like, showing back. up again. Yeah, he's back. Um, so it would be one of those three, but in, like, all like the current form of everyone, I would probably say Hampus. All right. Well, I guess uh, this is the thing, right? We we can do this a few ways, boys, because we, we still haven't discussed the major. We have to do who wants to be a skinnier. We could do the quiz now. We can get through all the recent news. We get through the blast stuff, and then we can get to playtime with plenty of time to spare and have these fun questions there at the end. Do we think that's a good plan? Yeah, that sounds good. Strike a look. Yeah, we got, we got a nod of the head. All right. Are you ready to do our little game show? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's, let's jump go. into who wants to be a skinnier brought to you by the Bit Skins. Now, Lucas has put a link the in bit the Bit Skins. Uh, he's put a link in TeamSpeak for you. Uh, now, this time around, this is about your team, uh, if I listen to Prof correctly. Is that right, Prof? It's uh, like five questions. Every question is about one of his players, current players. Oh, God. Okay, oh, we, let's changed, do it. we changed the skins. There's now an is there a knife available? Wow. Yes. Okay. So for everybody playing at home, depending on how many questions threat gets correct, you may win a knife. So start typing bit skins in the chat now and let's get these questions rolling. Lucas, question number one. Question one. Which record does device not hold? He is neither first nor tied first. Most top 20 appearances, most MVPs in a year. Highest KD in CSGO. Which record does Device not hold? Uh, highest KD, I'm going to guess. Like, okay. Have you made these Lock really it. hard? You made these hard, Prof? I I don't know. You don't know? Because the, no the way I think it's like most MVPs feels and most top 20 feels like he, he would have. But highest KD, I just simply have no idea. I think I remember, didn't Kenny have that? Or was it Kenny had most kills? Uh, I I think it was at some point probably, but definitely highest KD right now is simple, so this is correct. Okay, and of course, but the MVPs might be simple, or at least simple my time this year. It's uh, he's on six. Device has seven, I think, for one year. So okay, couple more events, two more events, I think, for Navi. So two more chances for simple to do that. Uh, all right, question number two. Campus won the $100,000 QI Invitational in 2018. What was the name of the team he did it with? I uh, got something, I think. Jeez, just lock it Not in straight even win. in. Yeah, because right. I don't think he was on Epsilon, and a Gamer Legion was like right before he joined NIP. So that would make any sense. Okay, that yeah, it's correct. Nailing it. Smashing so, yeah, it. questions. Easy all right, questions. all right. Question number three. I'm liking this. Who wasn't a part of Rez's breakout team, Cringe Gods, at the Columbus Minor? Holy uh, shit, we are really Yeah, I think it's Kevin. Because I, I know Sen. He played with Sen. And I, I, I remember some part of my mind, the nickname Resex for some reason. And maybe the, he, he doesn't exist. Maybe someone here made it up. But I just... Matt got it rude, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. yeah. Okay, I don't even get a chance to read out the multiple choice options here. I like this is great. All right, question number four. Which uh, with which organization did Esatag rank highest on the HLTV team ranking? Tricked in twenty seventeen, heroic in twenty nineteen, Astralis in twenty twenty. Oh, this sounds like it because like the the reflex would be like Astralis, right? But then it's like, why would this be a question? Hmm. Hmm, because I know when they play Heroic in 
2019. They had a time with uh, Freiburg. Freiburg? Yeah, yeah and, and they had some really good results. I think they won a DreamHack Open at one point. Uh, but at the same time, it's sort of hard because Astralis had dropped so much in 2020 when they had uh, the problems and they brought in Snap Yugi and Yugi. And shit, yeah. yeah, Yugi, right? Uh, but I still felt they, they should have gone high enough. And they update those team rankings like really fast. It depends on, like, you mean monthly or like. You've got I'm five gonna seconds, Astralis. Right? Astralis. Astralis. Go. He's gone with the big name. And the reveal is correct. Uh, the logic, you can't argue with it. You can't argue with the logic. Like from four, from four. Double was way, really fucked himself, but back onto it. Yeah, four amazing. from four. Double trick question. All right. And the final question here question number five. Bobski played one big event grand final. Which event was it? DreamHack Malmo 2019, Blast Copenhagen 2019, ESL1 Cologne 2019. Blast Copenhagen 2019? Yeah. Well, this is um, not really fair because I was actually on the team oh. at that point as an analyst. There you go. Well, yeah. uh, it is fair because you smashed it. And that's all five correct. This is where the confetti comes down, the champagne corks are flying through the sky. <laughs> We got Lucas coming out. He's presenting the awards. And the award is, thanks to threat viewers, you should be happy with this one. He's unlocked it all the way to the bloody knife. Bitskin's in the chat. And the winner is Zao underscore RL. Z-A-O underscore RL. Congratulations. Definitely most, most dominant wants to be a skinnier performance 100%. of all time. Not Let's even go close. down in history. Like this literally took two minutes altogether. So amazing. Master. All right. Sweet. Let's uh let's keep this one going then. Uh Lucas, roll the bumper. Let's get into the recent news. The Extrafi M42 RGB. What a fun mouse with five colorways, lightweight frame and just 59 grams with a swappable backplate to suit your grip style, the sensor, the easy core, the smooth skates and driverless control for RGB and DPI is why you should check out the M42 RGB down below. I'm in the house. And sector clear, but there is the window. Hate this badge. I'll take the fire through the pillar. Whatever. Play with Parry Match. Parry Match. Your esports teammate. Buy and sell your skins now. Easy, fast, and safe. The best skin site. Credit card deposits and withdrawals. Instant cash out methods. Get the best deals. Quick, simple, reliable. Bitskins.com. The nice thing about displays are super high quality and very easy to hang up. All you have to do is mount the magnet they provide you, then just stick the poster on the wall. Every art piece they offer is super collectible and looks great no matter where you place it in your house or room. The wonderful thing about displays is they also look after the environment. Every poster someone buys, this play will plant one tree. They have already planted over 14 million trees and they're still planting. So you're not just getting an awesome poster, you're also helping the environment. All right, we are back in action here. I'm going to be jumping straight into the recent news. One of the uh, things that's hot off the presses is uh, G2 parting ways with Malik. Now, Lucas, let me throw you this little link right here. Bring this up for everybody at home. Scroll down to the tweet. I'm about to start reading it uh, in a three, two, one. You'd be the quickest producer in the world if you're already there. But as you can see, I'm skillfully filling. Uh, from Malik, he says, Today marks the end of a great adventure. I've been G2's head coach for three years, and, well, that went fast. 
The decision to part ways took place a few weeks before the major, and I loved every moment of our last run with the boy, uh, with the boys. Now, um, that one right there, when you read that, for that decision to have already been made before the major, uh, you coming in, that's n- not necessarily a, a great sign, is it, striker for the, for the major overall? If they were going in knowing they were going to be changing their their coach, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much of the how much the team knew. I think it was kind of like kept on the down low, and they kind of like learned after the major, maybe during the major, probably not during the major. It's probably not a good idea, but but probably just right after the major. But it sounded like he knew quite for for quite a while before that. But yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, obviously, it's never a good, never a great situation to go into a major knowing that there's going to be a change. But uh, I mean, as far as I could tell, Malik was doing everything that he could to 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 make this the, their their best placing, and they they did finish second. So clearly, it didn't make. It did, didn't have an impact, but at least not a negative one. What three lands in three years and uh, three lands in two years in the grand final of every single one of them, other yeah. than the the RMR. We don't count that one. That one. Uh, that well, actually, for threats, just the one probably that, do. Yeah. We probably <laughs> do count that one. You know, yeah, depends on who we're talking to here. Uh, but uh, Prof, I'll throw this one to you. This kind of signals maybe the end of of the French era of G two. Like this, this has got to be it now. Seems like it. It's definitely seems like it. I mean, but but it's not even. I feel like Malik is a coach that can work with any any players, right? I don't think he's someone that needs to be there for the French French guys. I think like for the French guys, it's good to have him there as uh, someone that can maybe connect to the to the to like Jackson Amanek a bit bit deeper. But like if you kick out the two French players and bring out like anyone in the world, I feel like Malik is a guy that can connect to literally anyone. Even if you don't speak the language, he's he's going to find a way to connect to you and like have a good working relationship. So uh, I guess there are some reasons that you can say like, okay, they had the like the whole post uh, player break slump, which is probably some fault of his. But on at the same time, like the transfer policy, I feel like that's not in his hands. And this. it's not like he can go out and by players and solve some of the issues that G2 had on the roster. Mm. So it feels kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe unde- undeserved in terms of like removing him. That That's that's what I, how I feel. I don't know. Okay. So right, what do you make of this whole situation, right? Obviously the, the thoughts that, yeah, it's happening before the biggest event of the year. The one thing they should be gearing up for, the results maybe weren't great, but it still seems like, at least in my mind, it felt like a lot of the teams were trying to peak at the major, right? And they made it all the way to the grand final, but he's gone regardless. Like, what do you, what do you make of this situation? Well, very hard to know, like, what the coaches actually do in other teams. But, uh, like, playing G2, uh, I mean, I sort of felt like they, they always had a good game plan in every match they went into. Obviously, they seem to have a lot of communication issues in their slump. Uh, I don't really think that has anything to do with the, the game plans he made or the anti-strats he made. Uh, so from that perspective, I mean, that's basically the only thing I can see. Um, I, I think he did a good job. As for this team, though, I mean, I would probably be also like a bad coach with this team, working with like Serbians. I think you need a very like uh, special personality. I, 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 Well, from what I've heard, right, it seems like they, they have really big personalities within the lineup with Nico and those players. Uh, so I think you sort of need a, a coach that can manage that. I don't know if that was the reason why they changed. But that could be one of them because I felt like in technical terms, I think he did a good job. Yeah, I mean, in in general, like uh, to to play on that off that a little bit. <clears throat> it, to me, it more feels like they just want a big overhaul, right? Then they just like want to change the identity and stuff like that. And obviously, they're 
identity for a very long time was just like communicational issues, just like this Serbian French mixture that like never really meshed together super well in terms of that. And so like, if you want to change something, you probably want to change the coach as well. If you're just going through a big lineup overhaul, because like, that's just, it's like a part of the old system and you want to change the system. Right. So that's probably, I would say that that's the thinking that G2 has because like everything's pointing to them rebuilding the roster as well. It's just like to making at least a couple of changes to the, the actual team. So like, if that, if that's what the plan is and you know, if you take, take out the, the Frenchies or at least one of them, like there's much less reason for Malik to stay because of what Prof was saying uh, in terms of, you know, mediating between the, the, the French part of the roster and the, and the Serbian one. So I feel like that's where G2 is coming from. And that kind of like makes sense to me as well. That just, if you want to change the entire lineup, maybe it's a good, it's a good thing to, to change the coach as well. So, but I, as much as I do agree that it feels a little bit scapegoaty and, and Malik probably didn't have so much to do with, you know, of course, like communicational issues, like maybe some part of it could be down to the coach, but like, to be fair, like, it's not like it's going to be easy to, to make a guy talk, talking about Jax who barely spoke any English and you're know, just throwing him into a team that had, that is in international and he has to just like, he gets thrown thrown into that. Right. Like, even though he had a couple of years, it's like not going to be easy to, to make that work if you're a coach. So I, overall, I don't hate it. I understand the, the point behind it, but you know, I don't, I don't feel like Malik was a problem in that team. If we take it with what you're saying here, if we take a, t- a couple of steps back, right? What, do we think that the root cause of the issues with this team making it to the grand final, uh, like same, you guys, you guys don't need the point again, but the, the, the point remains the fact that they have been a good team over this period of time, right? Like even though they have had their ups and downs the events that matter or the, the bigger events, they've, they've been there, right? So are we saying that the issue for G2 not winning trophies is the fact that it stems from communication or are we thinking that there are other issues there? Like maybe, like realistically, if we're breaking this team down by the X's and the O's, sure, maybe communication would hamper them in a problem in an area or two, but not having a star orpa yeah. or, you know, in an era where star orpas uh, win you games, right? Like no offense to Amanek, I think that he does a, he does a great job with what he has left over and then Nico does his best to make the space off the back of that. But not having an author in this environment, that to me felt like the bigger issue. Yeah. So then that feels like that's something that if Malik didn't get the control of the roster and couldn't be like, all right, well, we need to get Amanek out and bring someone who can AWP in, if that is a like an upper management decision level thing, or if that's the players who are getting to to have say over that, like the issue, I don't know if it I'm not saying I, I don't know what, what what Malik does for the team or did for the team, but even if communication was an issue, I feel like the fact that they were missing key pieces seemed to be a pretty big issue as well. Yeah. Um so this is why I was just trying to reverse engineer how we were getting to, to him being released, right? So I think we're all under the experience that this team will have to make a couple more roster changes if they want to win trophies. But this is, for me, this is the question now, or maybe Threat can help here. Like, how do you build, not how do you make like two changes on the roster if you don't have a coach? Like, who is going to decide who you're going to pick up? Like, how, now you have to just, now you have to find a coach. And then from that, you need to find the players that are going to like work in the system that the coach wants. That this is how it should work, right? And that means like it, this will take like two months to have a new G2 roster. Yeah, it's very hard. I mean, maybe they want to bring out, bring in a new coach and sort of let him help with making this decision. Sort of, sort of have that system in place and they empower him. Uh, it's always becomes a bit messy when the players get to decide. I think the players should, uh, to the extent we, you can, have a, a say and input. But you definitely need someone, and that's yeah. It sounds really weird. I don't know if it's uh, 
that one like Ocelot, who who's their sort of Jonas Gunderson, like he if he just buys players randomly, like yeah, you're playing with this guy, or how they do it now, right? It's, it's very hard to know, but that's a very good point, right? I don't understand how they're gonna. Uh, I mean, if they're gonna make these changes, yeah, yeah. If, if they got Swanee, who was their analyst doing the coaching stuff in the interim here, right? Probably yeah. think that's what we yeah, read. Yeah, and they have uh, Jerome. What's his nickname? Yeah, Jerome's right. Yeah, Niak, who's still the manager, and they—I don't know who's their like general manager type person now because one of their people went to went to EG. And uh, would you look at that? Reports that Malik is now going to EG. Uh, kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, maybe we can maybe we can swap to that. What what do we think about uh, that potential move? Yeah, what's next is a is an interesting conversation, right? And I think what's next for for both parties. So I I guess we can pick up there with the the Malik situation for G two. Uh, sorry for EG, but we know that EG is in like we know that they're having roster changes. Like that's I mean they already guaranteed. kicked out three players, so yeah, yeah that's but pretty, we, that's pretty we know that they're like in the conversations to get some of the big boys, right? Yeah. Like some of the rumors swelling around that you see people talking about is potentially Naf and, and Stewie over there to that team, or maybe you know some of the players are going over the liquid way. We don't know which direction anyone's going, but by bringing Malik in, right? If it's for him just to coach um, a team that already exists, right? Like that's going to put him in a situation where he probably just found himself with this team, right? Like, I think it's look uh, the way the way you're leading it, and I like it in terms of you know you kind of and that's kind of ties into the conversation that Prof was trying to have, right? You kind of want to sign your coach first. If you're building yeah. a lineup, it's kind of like, it kind of needs to start with somebody who's make, going to make the decisions. Unless you're you're going to do it the old way where, you know, the players are going to have all the say and, and a coach is just going to be there to do the anti-strats and to do like preparation and stuff like that, right? But like, if you want to have like a structured team that kind of like works a little bit more top to down, like you're going to have to start at least with a, with a GM who's going to put together the roster or a coach if you want to kind of like transition that power over to to that kind of a person, right? So, like, I like the fact that they're starting with a coach. I don't know if they're starting with him, but that's kind of like the the, the first report that we've seen hmm. from from the camp from EG, at least in terms of what looks like is very near completion. That was uh, that was the report from the Cerdo that said that uh, that they're in advanced talks. So clearly, that, that this is something that both both parties want, and uh, and it's probably going to happen unless it just hits a snag at some point and then they don't come to terms or whatever. So I like like I like the approach and then from there you can figure out like what players do we want um what players can we get like which direction we want to go like clearly EG EG have said this right uh, in terms of uh, focusing on North America and then trying to 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 build a new roster somewhere uh, there so clearly they want some North American talent even though it might not be like fully North American they already have Cirque, right so that's kind of like the the direction that they want to go in so I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't see anything bad with this. Yeah, I, I was going to ask the question of where else could he go, right? Because I was just scrolling through the, the top uh, 30 list right here, and it's like, actually, there's not that many homes right now unless orgs are looking to shake things up themselves, right? Like, you, you're scrolling down the list. Um, Complexity is not on the list because, you know, obvious reasons. Yes. Well, they don't have a roster, so that yeah. Well, I, I'm hoping they just buy Copenhagen Flames right as a full as a full package. That'll solve that problem right there. But um, the Malik question for him personally, that maybe he would have if he didn't get this EG offer, he would have to wait until a door gets open somewhere at these teams. Because like as, as I'm saying, I'm scrolling down. I'm not seeing many opportunities here for him just to slide on in that makes sense. And then Base would be interesting as well. I have to say. 
Yeah, I, I think it depends. I guess it depends on what they're looking for in a coach. Right? I guess with Carrigan there being a strong in-game leader, you might not need uh, a crazy analytical uh, coach. And they have Inner Shine, right, as the analyst doing that uh, kind of stuff. So, yeah. I mean, Robin is their coach right now, even though he was like a manager for some time. So I'm kind of questioning if he really wants to do it or he's just like filling in the role until they find a better option. Uh, or maybe maybe he's full on. Who knows? Let's put the let's put the uh, hat on the other head. That's a saying. I don't know if that one exists, but we, we're going to use it anyway. Threat. If you're G2, who are you looking towards now to get as a coach? Like, Are there any names out there that immediately leap off the page at you? It's, it's very hard. And the most likely one is a boring answer. It's uh, Emmy Wright. Um, yeah, there's a report out there. Yeah, and it's... Like before... Isn't even Kassad, Kassad the even more obvious pick, though? Well, get Yanko in there. Just get all of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, they're not really. I mean, Kassad, he coached Extremum, right? Yep. Yeah. And then, yeah, he went back to those guys. Yeah. And, um, well, I think Emmy, because he just played at the top level, uh, would probably be the best pick as well. Because, I mean, if you look at G2 right now, they definitely need someone that sort of. Um, I actually don't know how Emmy is in this regard, but uh, he can work with uh, the Serbian players. And he also needs some tactical knowledge. Um, I mean, I think Nexa is a good IGL, but I don't think uh, just the players sort of, he brought it up with Carrigan, that sort of he can bring up the system himself, right? I think they sort of, or they actually want someone who can build the system for them. Uh, and maybe Kassad is uh, great at doing that. I just didn't get the, the feel that he was the one doing that in his teams. Yeah, yeah I, I guess, Brett, while we're on this, uh, what do you think is the biggest issue like we spoke about it before, right? Briefly, right? We said communication. I didn't end up getting to the end of where I wanted to go. But like from your perspective, when you, you obviously watch the demos, what do you think is the biggest issue with, with G2? I think there's some sort of disjoint in some of their games. Because the times we, we've beaten them, we have a lot of maps where we, we sort of steamroll them because they seem to sort of crumble under the pressure. And it's sort of those wins where afterwards it feels like, oh, like it's, uh, you don't feel that happy because it really felt like they sort of just handed it over to you. I mean, all of you guys have seen these G2 matches when they have their lineup, they have Nico, and just sort of like, what the hell are they doing? Mm. Uh, I think what they sort of lacked is just having a clear system and really committing to it. And I think that's why they're, they were good on stage. I mean, we played them and it was very, very tough, obviously, and we did beat them in the previous match we played them. It's sort of they... They had like a very clear game plan and they sort of know like, okay, we can't make it too complicated. We're going to be on stage. And like that Inferno match we had first, uh, the first half, they just went so aggressive all the time. You could almost like feel like the testosterone from their side of the stage. Like they were like, we're going to push every round, never stop. And they sort of had that plan and they were all committing to it. And just doing that, even though it might not be like the technical best tactic, they're still committing to the same plan. As for sometimes when we play them online, where it becomes like really slow paced, you could sort of see them them crumble a bit. So they probably like need a coach that can see their strengths because they're, they're, I'm telling you, like very hard to play against when they're on that role and they just keep pushing. It's not as simple as like, okay, Nico is going to push banana. It's like, okay, it's hard. It's like there are no good solutions to that problem. Um, I mean, everybody knows that Nico is going to be pushing like in yard on Nuke and stuff like that and trying to search for duels and people still die to him. So it's like, it's not that easy. Yeah, it's fun. Actually, the, the pistol round of the, the first map, 
because uh, we had a long discussions what we were going to do on the TPS run on Inferno, and we sort of um, uh, we noticed they didn't like to go aggressive, but we also had like a read that they'd like to mix things up versus us. So we thought like, yeah, they're going to rush down middle in the piss round, and like we think the best counter for that we're just going to wide up slope and meet them. <laughs> and we do that, and <laughs> we literally die all five in two seconds. It's like team speak is quiet, and all you can hear is like happens, like laughing a little bit. It's like, yeah, wow, that was really fast. <laughs> <laughs> and that's sort of when you sort of okay, that this is a G2 that uh, has shown up. And I did think we made Inferno very close in them, a few key rounds we lost, uh, but they were clearly better than we when we played them last time. Okay, cool. All right, uh, boys, do we want to leave the G2 stuff here for now and keep going with the recent news? Yeah, sure. Looks like it. Everyone looks good with this. All right, next one. And it's a question we get a lot on this show. And I think Simple even kept stirring the pot the other day, which has led to even more. Uh, this is about Monacy. Now, if you're not familiar with this 16-year-old kid, uh, he's a he's a frag. Said some things about NIP as well. I see you forgot smiling over there. Did you see it? Yeah, I, I, I know the comment. We read it together <laughs> here. But yeah, I knew it was going to come up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let me read it out. Maybe it's that I could. Oh, okay. I can't okay. Let, exactly let's plunge, let's plunge finish the intro and uh, oh, then we'll I'm gonna get to that. Let's go. Well, no, we can we can we can take a detour here. Do you want to find the quote? Strike. Uh, yeah, it's it's prop? at the end. I'm finding it. Uh, okay. Because uh, there was a question about device because like Monacy said like he watches a lot of device uh, demos more than simple demos because it's like you can replicate it more. It's more useful. Blah blah. So the guy. So interviewer Ilya, he asked, like, speaking about device now, is he as good as he was in Australis? And see, he says, like, I don't think he was good as he was, which I fear that's like a fair comment. Like, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, and then he said, there are rumors that he would go back to Australis, but it's unlikely to happen. He said that he doesn't enjoy playing in Sweden in NIP, and he wants to go back to Denmark. So I feel like this is kind of, you know, how people say, like, this is probably something that he heard or something. Not like it, the way he said it, it seems like a fact. Like he was probably saying, like, I heard something like this. But it's a very interesting quote. And a lot of people, I think like people have been talking about this quote more than like whatever, whatever the rest he said in this interview, which is kinda kinda amusing. Okay. Is that a so lengthy discussion threat. Any any defense? Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's be real. We've all been like in I'm Sweden. We all been, something. <laughs> all been in Sweden the last month. Not a lot of people enjoyed it, so I feel like it probably makes sense. No one enjoyed it. Yeah, speaking, exactly, so. exactly like that. I mean, sort of have to go the diplomatic <laughs> with it. I mean, obviously, uh, it's very unlikely that Astralis didn't approach him, considering how much they rebuilt their lineup and they need a good offer. Um, I mean, it's, I guess it's quite clear that they want to replace Lucky. I don't know, but it's what it seems like, right? Um, so I guess that's not unlikely and. You know, like where he wants to live, I don't know, but it's uh, I, it's sort of the same with the Nile thing. This is like tiny things on the internet gets turned into like the most extreme version of, of themselves, right? And th th this is obviously like not true. We're, we're playing these tournaments now. We have a lot of tournaments planned. Um, so so yeah, it's 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 not true. Obviously, there's... but like I'm just here. Obviously, there's bias, so why would people believe me? But I can't. <laughs> I can't do it to do anything else and say it's not. Because <laughs> I'm saying the vibe in the team is good, and Device isn't constantly saying like I hate Sweden, fuck this team. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the, 
uh, that would be a weird definition of good vibes as well. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So okay. the, the vibes is very good. Well, I, I did notice if, if people missed it, that interview with Monasteria on HLTV, it's, it's quite lengthy and, and the kid, uh, I don't think he's been put through the media training ringer completely just yet, or they're just more open than, than you expect, but just some of the comments in here um, from him, you know, he, he actually goes into a bit of detail. So if you guys want to check that out, you guys all know where to go, but we're, we're talking about uh, the reports on this kid being picked up now. There's a lot of teams swirling. We were just talking about one of them before who could use a, a pretty good primary orper, but we're talking about a 16-year-old kid here, Striker. Are we looking at just another one of these these individuals who's just going to hit the ground running and and be a beast? Is that really what's going to happen here? Or what, what do you think is is likely? I mean, to be fair, like, if you think about G2, there was that whole thing about them kind of, like, missing out on Zaiwu and saying, like, that they don't want to sign him. Like, this is years ago, not this when he joined Vitality. But, like, when he was, when Zaiwu was coming up and he was in either AA or the other team that I can't remember right now, um, there was that. There was a, there was like a rumor where G two like kind of considered him, but didn't want to take him. So I feel like after seeing Zaiwu do what he's done and just like fucking heated out from the first year that he entered Tier One Counter Strike, literally becoming the best player in the world in that rookie year, like G two probably doesn't want to doesn't want to uh, skip out on a player that could potentially hit the same levels, right? And Morrissey, as much as maybe he's not that extreme in terms of like how much he's uh, how quickly he has adapted to like Tier One CS because Zaiwu was just like destroying everybody in FPL and it's obviously like Monacy is in FPL but he's not he's not at the same level as I would like you don't see him just like destroying the tier one scene and like everybody he's just extremely good for the level he's playing at in terms of like the academy league and stuff like that he's clearly above that level but we don't really see how much above right like we just haven't really seen him play against some of these top players a lot of the time so like we we just don't know that about him but obviously like if you see a talent like that you kind of want to jump on it and just like get him into your team and like if it doesn't work out then whatever right but like if you have that opportunity i feel like you just jump i'm just scrolling through the top 30 again once more just having a look at like oh where could he go right and the thing is you have to consider the amount of money do, do, prof do you think this is the type of thing if you're a navi academy navi junior navi whatever crash navi play school whatever they, they're open now if if you have these kids under contract like i have no idea what the contract looks like but are you going to put these other orbs through the ringer here? Is this something that you 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 think is going to be a big buyout, a small buyout? Do, what do you think it's beneficial? What what do you think is the I kind mean, of go here? Uh, for 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 him, it has to be a decent buyout, like hundreds of thousands. Like otherwise, it's like what the fuck is going on? Like what is the point of an academy team if you have someone like this and someone just? buys them from for 50k like what then your whole project doesn't make any sense because mm. if you if you build a player that's good then anyone can take him i feel like so it has to be a bit more pricey um but obviously the numbers numbers don't lie most of the time when we talk about numbers like the numbers that he's been putting on like 1.35 rating constantly over the last year that guy is certainly good. Is he going to be the next simple? Is he going to be the next Zaiwu? That's like very hard to say because we only had two of these players in the last 10 years of CSGO. So he's most likely not going to be that, but maybe he's going to be like just that level below. And that's already a, a revelation as someone that you can build your team around, right? So for me, the, the difference between like Zaiwu going from like AAA to Vitality uh and like monacy going from navi jr to g2 it's the language barrier for me that's i feel the, the thing that's going to be 
very hard to adapt to with all of these other things that, that come in, like uh, different just environment, different team, different communication, different um, just like culture of the of the people that he's going to be around combined with, the, you know, getting used to tier one play. So I, I would like to see him continue in like a CIS team. And I don't think it's, I think good long-term, it could be a great move for G2, but I think short-term, it's not gonna, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be amazing for a team that wants to win tournaments yesterday. I don't think that's, <laughs> that's a perfect fit. Yeah, that's where I was going to go, right? I think if you were, if you were in that coaching chair or in the owner chair of, of G2, even if you knew that he was a, a prospect or a talent, it's like if you, you're so close to winning trophies now, I want to say so close, you're getting blown out in finals, but you're so close in the sense that you, you're getting to the finals consistently, then making a change like this, it could hurt you more than it helps you. But the thing is as well, like I know there's a lot of good authors, but is there a, is there a not natural alone, fit not alone right now? Free. Yeah, and not, there's not too many that feel like a natural fit right now for, for G2 to either way. Um, now, Threat, I want to ask you here because you've had the experience with the youngsters of LNZ, ZTR. I, I don't want to lump Monacy into that same bucket and assume that you're going to know everything about his personality here. But like for someone who has had a bit of overlap now with the next generation and these 16, 17, 18 year olds, what do you think like the biggest hurdle for a kid like this is going to be making this this tier one leap? Um, well, sort of the struggles I mentioned before, right? So there's a lot of technical things that comes with playing at the highest level. But I actually want to go back to the, the, the Navi lineup here with Bit, seeing how well he worked. Like maybe Navi has like a really rigid good system uh, around the Navi junior team, sort of trains them. Uh, I mean, because obviously Bit performed, like overperformed. He was during the group stage, she was the highest rated player of yep. the tournament, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he made it like we lost to them as well. <laughs> um, so maybe they sort of have a system to, to work around that. I don't know. Because just seeing how well BIT was implemented into Navi makes me think it could work. I mean, the, the biggest issue here is the language still. Like, yeah. There will always be the elephants in the room. I mean, if people are talking about us bringing tag, like at least, I mean, even if Swedish didn't work, we would have an English, like we have a language. I mean, does he know English? It's apparently it's uh, what did we ask simple about it, right? And he said it wasn't as good as simples when he was in liquid back in the day. So uh, people remember what's simples English wasn't terrible, but it, it wasn't it was quite like, basic. It was basic. It, it wasn't conversational, right? It was functional for, you know, a little bit of back and forth and, and counter-strike English. Right. Um, so that's something that, that, but it's something that G2 apparently already tried to work on with, uh, with Jack. So they, I mean, that's was, why, that's why I hate this move, like potential move so much, because this is a team, the number one issue over the last two years. Okay. Top two issues, uh, over the last nine months, no primary opera, bad communication. So what they're going to do, they bring in a primary opera that's inexperienced on tier one, but okay. It's a primary opera, which is pretty good with the op, but it, his communication is even worse. So let's, let's just destroy this thing even more. Let's just have people that literally have never spoken, like not spoken, but never played an international team. Uh, let's just, just do that once again. Like for me, it seems like a fucking nightmare, honestly. Yeah, maybe that, that, that is the like next level solution. Like the communication is the problem. Like let's not communicate at all. Let's <laughs> completely. Just headshot. <laughs> Yeah, everyone yeah. understands that one. Everyone, okay. So, were there were there any other reports about him going to other teams? Because, like, if you were going to build 
another good CIS team. I think there's enough players that you could definitely do it. We've already spoken about this. I think you were mentioning Wonderful last time on the show. Deco is another one of those Orpers from the region. There's a lot of players from that region. Mears, I don't know. Yeah, Mir is not on Spirit anymore, right? Yeah, start with yeah. Mir and Mondesi. You go there. There's two players. I'm so I'm signed up. Get me three I mean, more. That's and we're the idea, up I guess. The races. I don't think I don't think you know Spirit 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 have a good, good opera as well. Versus Pro have a good opera, so that's not going to happen for for these teams that re, they're going to buy Monacy plus the Navi. Navi selling to primary competitors in CIS feels kind of weird, but potentially like if complexity, the rumor was also at one point that they were maybe considering a CIS team. So if they can pick up Monacy, if they can pick up Mir, and whoever the fuck they want to add to that team doesn't even matter. That that's going to be pretty good, right? So. Maybe something like that can work. International teams are obviously also an option, but uh, I don't. I don't think we'll. I don't think it would be good for him to do it at this point in his career, honestly. But like, who the fuck do we do to get instead though? Like, yeah, there are, the you, there is, it's always gonna be a CIS player. It's gonna be like Elian or Wonderful or Monacy or like one of these CIS players who've never spoken English in their lives in a team. So it's like, like, yeah, I don't know what else they can do because there's no other offer that I can see. So they can just grab and know it's going to be a know he's going to be good. Like there's nobody, unless What's they are willing to buy somebody out. I don't know. No. What was that threat? No, like I was actually just saying, like it, isn't it weird? Like CIS, they have all the offers. Denmark, like 10, they have they have offers. all the IGLs. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. So you just Sweden what you're saying is like instead no. of Danish Swedish, like <laughs> we have to do like a a Danish CIS superpower where you just like have the best in game leaders on one side and the best best offers on the other. Yeah, because like it's literally like Navi. It's like we have so many offers, we have to sell them, right? Can you take them? Like, <laughs> we should like teach them English just to like earn money or something. I don't know. Yeah, that, that should be start of the plan now, right? That should be add that into the curriculum with the future. Like that will probably become something in the academy teams in the future where they're teaching these guys English so they can actually sell them off. Like, why not? Why yeah. not? They, they're doing everything else. All right. Uh, let's jump into a bit more other roster speculation uh, that's been going on. There's been lots of conversation in North America. I still hate the fact, right, that apparently Joker Steve tweeted, and you guys mentioned this last week, it kind of went in one ear and went out the other. The fact that Liquid and Vitality both said they're going to play with their rosters until the end of the year. I fucking hate that. Yeah. Right? I understand why. I hate it regardless. Um, EG, I mentioned earlier the NAF and Stu combo going over there to join Breeze and Cirque. And then I don't know, like I've seen people typing about it. I don't know if what's what seems real mouse sports. Uh, I think we're a big part of why the rumors around like we're just like, yeah, Rob isn't gonna be there, uh, right? Isn't gonna be there with mouse sports at the end of the year, he's gonna go somewhere else. That just feels like a given. Like Rops is at yeah. that point where he probably needs to make that jump up just organizationally anyway. But rumors for him a potential G2, which we've spoken about in the past, is rollover lap with the Nikos and the Hunters of the world, uh, or phase, which which does make more sense on paper. Um, but are there are there any of these here, boys, that that stick out like a sore thumb? Because I don't know how much new stuff there is that is actually concrete. Most of this has just been the same rumors swirling around with a couple yeah, of right. different names yeah. thrown in the mix. I mean, there's and the like, shocks. There's the shocks to to liquid ah, that's to rumor. Right. That's I don't know if we talked about this last time. It's possible that we did. I think we did. Yeah. But sure. either yes. either way, like that's like, I guess that's pointing to that uh, that nobody like that would join liquid. Um, like say Rops, for example, if he uh, had an opportunity. Like there's obviously a lot of teams that would be interested in a player <laughs> like Rops, and as we've fucking mentioned, like every every episode we talk about Rops, like he his contract is running out at some point next year, like early next year. So like clearly there's opportunities there and, and 
there's been a lot of rumors about him getting like 10 different offers from 10 different teams. And I would be very surprised if like these North American teams didn't approach him and try to try to see if, uh, if he was interested. So mm. like considering we heard shocks this recently and being relatively close to the move, I doubt that, that Robs would join liquid at that point. Um, and then there's obviously the, the, the nitro rumors that I mean, he's coming back from, from Valorant and that could be either AG or, or, or liquid or another team like under cloud nine or in envy or whatever other organizations are looking. So like there's, there's a lot in an A that I think we're not going to get resolved until early next year or until the actual off season, because it seems like there's a lot of contract stuff that's going to have to get resolved in the meantime. And just like still people not even knowing what opportunity, what options they even have. And, uh, and that's still something that's being worked out behind the scenes now. It's just going to be ugly, like to to go watching these teams play. We ref I referenced this the other the other episode. I referenced it again. It's just like the NIP in Dubai, where they were a dead yeah. team. They went, they won, and then they you know got to continue going for a little while longer. But with the, I mean, at the, the, at the same time, like at least even if they're not going to say it potentially, like at least this is kind of like something that we know. So we we just see that team perform this way or the other because of that, right? Like we know going into Blast that Liquid and, and Vitality were just probably going to go run around and do whatever because they don't care anymore. They, 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 they don't have the lineup uh, that they want to have at the, at, at the start of next year, right? So, like, at least we're going into tournaments knowing who are the dead teams. And there's, like, like the worst kept secret, you know, it's just, like, everybody's kind of, like, accepting it at this point. It's much better than, you know, going into the major and not knowing which of these teams, like, 10 different teams were probably can starting to consider changes already mm. and you just don't know who and for who and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think I think the weird part is that we sort of the organization sort of uh, contract years it doesn't coincide with the majors, right? Yeah. So I think I'm not, I don't want to franchise everything, but this is one of the cons when you don't have like a franchise league, right? That it will be these awkward sort of after the major player yeah, shuffles. And, and... Yeah, exactly. It's weird. I, I want to bring something. I understand that wouldn't make any, like, because we have two majors a year, right? I, d just someone correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't the reason that the majors got put in their awkward positions right now is because the players didn't want them to be at the end of, like, the natural seasons? Didn't they decide this is where they wanted to be? Or am I confused? I think, like, I think there was, confused? like, a big, big talk between Valve and CSPPA that kind of, that was taken into consideration. I don't know if that was the sole reason. Maybe that there was a lot, a lot more at play. Uh, but that um, that was something that was talked about at the time when when we heard these uh, um, heard these dates for the next four majors or whatever it was at that point it was like to the next two years I think so yeah I know that a lot of the players aren't very happy about the the tournament the major being at the end of the the season because of fatigue and stuff like that because they um, they don't want to have the best tournaments like just before break because they're just kind of like already at that point where. They're like the last tournament. That makes no sense, breaks. doesn't it? It makes no sense. I no, think this that's is how a bad mindset for sure. Yeah, this is how it ha happened originally. It was PGL Major Krakow 2017, and that was the major that we had at the end of the at the end of the let's say season. It was yeah. right before the player break, July 16th to 23rd, and before that we had like Cologne. We had the uh, the qualifier, which is a separate event. It was like all of this build up. We had like Pro League. Stuff like that, and that was the event where people complain like, "Oh, this is shit. We are everyone's so burnt out. No one wants to play right now." Blah blah. And then uh, th I think that was that was the second major right of that year, and we had no majors until the next year, which is E League, twenty eighteen. Atlanta, twenty eighteen. Yeah, Boston, twenty eighteen. Boston, which is half in Atlanta, but that was like at the beginning of the season, and then people were like, 
oh, this is at the beginning of the season. This is so dumb. <laughs> let's not do it at the beginning of the season. So like Valve is okay, you don't want it at the end. You don't want it at the beginning. Let's put it in the middle. So then they put it in the middle. And now we're here, even though objectively with every, like the scheduling being now kind of more normal and people Ish. prioritizing prioritizing events and stuff like that. I guess we could move it to the end of the se end of the season, but it, this literally happened because you know you don't want this, you don't want this, and then you get this, and the, oh, I don't want that either. So like, make up your fucking mind in the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I it think, can be the start. I like. I think the start. The was start the, was the, the worst. worst. I think that that is the worst option out of the out of everybody because like everybody's just like going into the major somewhat rusty and just like not knowing what place they're in and it's right after you're supposed to make changes so that doesn't make sense either because of the major uh, roster rules change uh well yeah roster rules and stuff like that and obviously you don't want to make changes right before a major like that doesn't make any sense either so like i mean the 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 logical choice would be to have it at the end of the season but you know i I'm, i think this is at the same time like this is okay like we still have like this month where like a lot of the death teams are just going to keep playing and then like the break is where everything happens or at least most yeah. of it. So like, I don't hate it. It's just like, you know, the, some of these last tournaments, I'm sure the organizers aren't being too super happy about, you know, Blast having like three death teams or two death teams, I guess, playing in them. That's uh, true. Would have been three if NIP weren't allowed that uh, the, the last minute uh, change. So like that, that, that also, <laughs> fortunately, I don't want you to comment on that. I just know that that's the case. So. There it's better this way though like i i think this is one of the things like roster locks and counter-strike in terms of events doing it is one thing but then obviously contract negotiations and that kind of stuff is another thing and then what's a good time because threats mentioned it multiple times on this show already uh how it could never find a good window to make these transfers that's another thing right like all this compounds and i think if we keep going in the direction where the coaches have more say you're going to want it to be a little bit more regimented, right? It doesn't have to be franchised, but just more regimented so that everybody goes, okay, major ends. Uh, we're going to have a, you know, a four to six week player break here or whatever the fuck it is. It doesn't have to be like the death knock, right? It doesn't have to be December 20, the major ends. It, like that can end early December. And then you can have a couple of like trickle off smaller events, but just nothing of large scale. Like you have, uh, the Blast Four Finals, which I just unfortunately I think is because of the the way the world is right now, but it's like another arena event, and now we're going to go there with a couple of dead teams, which kind of you know takes a li a little bit of the shine off. Lucky it's a big exciting event, and then you have the Blast Global Finals, and like this is where a couple of the bigger names that are already going to be there are having huge changes. So you you know like if they do well. You know that kind of detracts from the the store. Well, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you know we just I have to frame it in a, in a better way. I'll package it up nice and neat. Anyway, um, I don't think we have too much more in terms of roster changes that we should bother with right now, guys. I don't know if anybody has anything they want us to get stuck into. I can see you thinking, Prof. Um, I don't talk about latest. Oh, no, no. There's, there's, not many, there's not that many other teams who we would be looking into because it's okay. like if you look at the the top like there's g2 it was kind of like everybody knows that they're changing but they just haven't said okay it yet. Th this is like this is the question for for threat which team would drops improve the most Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> okay so i would just bring up and the, would you switch to rank. english if you could get it <laughs> <laughs> oh god no um i i think once again, like the easiest answer is also the right one. It's face. I mean, that is the obvious answer. Yeah, yeah it is the obvious answer. I'm just scrolling through this because, I mean, you sort of have the sort of semi-face in OG, but I just don't think OG is there yet. 
Um, I think Rops maybe could be the difference maker, uh, maker for Face to really take that next step. Because, I mean, they, they are way too inconsistent right now. Um, I mean, that would be a fucking scary lineup, to be fair. Like, if he goes there instead of Olaf, like, that is, that is a stacked lineup. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Twist has been, like, one of the most annoying players to play against by far. Yeah, I mean, just and like that you... trio, right? Like, with Brokey and, uh, and Twist, like, that would be a fucking... Yeah, That'd be a base roster. Yeah, so uh, maybe I shouldn't wish for it, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be face. Like, looking at this, there's, like, Liquid, because we don't know anything about who they will keep, right? And uh, it's also kind of like sad with all of these American organizations. Like you have Liquid, EG, probably going to revamp their roster, right? They haven't done anything in a very long time. And then, then you're going to be really weird next year. Are they going to stay in NA and have no practice partners? And then they're adding European players. I mean, th this just looks like they're eventually just going to become European in yeah. that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, which is really, really sad because, uh, I mean, I mean, just a few years ago, we had Liquid being the top team in the world. Yeah, I I think this is this is a perspective which I uh, this is a broader topic. Actually, I don't want I don't want to get into this now. I'll save this one because I, I I'll go and I'll go and I'll go. We'll just keep talking broken. about this every episode. Like we're, we have <laughs> no, to this stop. This is like a little point. bit different. It's not just it's just not like me doing my classic North American bashing. You know, there's a little bit there would have been a little bit more nuance to it for once. But uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, let's. Let's, let's blast. Yeah, let's well, let's jump forward into this V4 stuff because I want to do like some honorable okay. mentions, right? So first things first, we got a couple of teams who have been experiencing a little bit of the major blues. Gambit uh, would have been one of those. They've had uh, some some dicey matches over there at the V4 uh, festival, which is going on right now in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, that's a land event that's on right now, guys. If you want to check that one out, uh, the Tournament at the moment is in the semifinals uh, for Saturday. Uh, Big versus Gamba in Tropic versus Fiend, uh, the grand final on Sunday. Um, but there's been a lot of upsets here, a lot of names that we we, we don't know too much about. Striker, have you been keeping tabs on this event? Uh, yeah, I mean on and off, but obviously there's a there's a bunch of Czech, like new Czech players that like people haven't seen before a lot of the time. So and it's people I'm familiar with. So I just kind of tried to keep an eye on them and seeing how where they've gone because like I kind of always. Like it's always at the end of the year where I start caring about Czech CS because I always do like the Czech Championship, but like do like analyst work and stuff like that. This time it's yeah. not going to be possible because it actually clashes with with Blast. But yeah, this is like always the time where I start to care care again and just like catch up with what I've missed on the last for the past year. So it's been fun. This is the Enterprise roster you're talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, that's them and I mean Asuba as well. But obviously they didn't do as well, even though they they also had that like against Gambit and no, not not against Gambit. Uh, they had something yeah. against. Uh, was it against Gambit? They had an overtime against Gambit. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah it was. It was. It was. Yeah. And uh, so them, them, and Enterprise, obviously the the two two biggest rosters. Like it's kind of funny that both of them, well, not Asuba because Asuba actually finished at the same place as Sinners, but Enterprise actually outplaced Sinners, mm. who had really big issues at the event. Like they they were just terrible at the That's main. That's why event, I asked if they're having roster changes. Yeah, I mean it could be. I think they would only make roster changes if somebody steals Neofrag. I think that's the only way that they actually do make changes. I don't know if they will, uh, because I think I think he has resigned relatively recently, so it's going to be hard to get him out of there. I would say, so I, that's why I said no. I think that's the only change that I would see them making. I mean, it's possible that they will also change somebody else, but it's not something that I've heard either. So okay. I just don't. I just don't think they would, especially with the year that they've had. It's not like they've like they kind of peaked until now, until this kind of failure at the V4. They they've been um, they've been at the best level that that we've ever seen them. So I think that doesn't make sense even for. For them to just suddenly make changes. I have to, I have to refer to Oscar's tweet though. 
Awesome. What do you say? It's fucking amazing. Uh, after they lost uh, to Movistar Riders, he tweeted, Disappointing event. We done at Synergy Esports, <laughs> GG, Movistar Riders. And then he like corrected himself. He said, "We're in, it's like, like, we done at V4. What the fuck? Misclick. Actually wrote mislick, but it doesn't matter. So uh, how do you misclick Sinners instead of V4? I'm not sure. I think but... it was just like, you know, wanting to say something else. I don't think I would look too much into this, honestly. Like, I think I, I thought that it was, was just like funny. a great or whatever. Yeah, okay, I, I'm, I, would, I'm, I would look to reading into it as as much as possible. So, yeah, uh, nice. I mean, in you terms can... of in terms of enterprise, I think uh, honestly, like this, these were like Forcey is the guy that I had my eye on. I said this on Twitter because it was actually one of the guys that I kind of like uh, was uh, looking quite a lot into at the end of last year when there were some changes in Entropic, and I was like trying to help them scout and stuff like that. And Forcey was like one of the players that I really, really was hoping would would make it. Uh, like to Entropic because they they were kind of like the top two team after Sinners, um, basically, and they they were looking for like an upgrade in uh, in the opping department. And he was like the obvious choice. He's kind of like the Shiro type opper who's who's like very young and just like on the rise. And I think he is the best opper outside of Oscar now uh, in the two countries in Czech and Slovakia. So um, he he's always been on my radar. But like these two two new guys that they got for this year, Mattis and Adias, they. Like Mattis especially has impressed me this tournament this tournament because he's been their their highest rated player. I've never really even seen him play properly like on a top team before. This is like his first year on like one of the top teams in in the two countries. So it's that's kind of cool to see. Okay, cool. We've got uh, the nationalistic pride for striker out of the way here. Now uh, we can turn our attention a little bit to a couple of these honorable mentions and then get into the blast conversation. First ones first. Uh, I think that we have to give an honorable mention to the new British fanatic. Uh, they've oh, yeah. been performing quite well. Uh, if you take a little bit of a look at just some of their numbers here, in terms of maps played uh, with this roster, I think it's 30 in total. They've won 27. They've lost three. The players is how you want to see it. Uh, Smooth's at the top. He's joined the team and he's doing great. But Brolin is there at number two. And I think what is most important is Crims being at number three. Right? If Crims was straggling at number four, and I'm not saying... Like the margins here between him and, and Mezzi is basically nothing. But you want to see this because it means that there's a, a third wind to Crims, right? Because I, I think a lot of people were starting to write him off a little bit in that because he wasn't performing fantastically. But Crims is the type of player, I think, who's still who's still definitely got it in him with the type of Counter-Strike he's playing. And I think him playing well buys room for Mezzi to bet himself into this tier one counter-strike still, right? There's not a super rush now. If you have Smuya, Brolin, and Crims performing, Mezzi can kind of take a bit more of a backseat there. And Alex seems to be calling some good counter-strike. Uh, Matt Pool's looking good. So just wanted to give them an honorable mention alongside of uh, the uh, the boys over there from Turkey. I want to make sure I... I, I is it Eternal Fire? I was yep. I was thinking of Wizards and Pixies with with team names like that. You know, they've got like um, a fire staff or some shit. Eternal Flames. Apparently, Wox Eternal Flame. Wait, the now song? You, no, you know, it's a lot of people. Oh, people call it Eternal Flame. I'm gonna get a lot of DMs. No, Wox apparently Wox yeah. in-game leading. Who yeah. the fuck would have thought? When did that happen? Did anybody anybody know? Like a month ago or something. There was like I a tweet. That. Like it was a very big tweet from Woxic, and there's somewhere in the middle. He's like, I started calling, so a lot of people missed it. Okay, so the key key piece of information there. Threat, you got any honorable mentions? You've been seeing anyone in practice who's been uh, been, been turning heads? Well, once again, I go with the easy answer, Copenhagen Flames. Again, okay. after the major. Good I answer. Mean, Safe answer. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they will have a rougher time now afterwards because they will have a lot more pressure going into the online. Like, they're expected to beat any team. And, I mean, 
just the teams we're talking about here from v 4 right? I just went to Enterprises uh, Asian TV page, and it's just crazy to see a team. They took a map off of Gambit during the playoffs now in that tournament, and at the same time, they like lost to Young Ninjas like two or three weeks ago. And it, it's sort of becoming like before you can like at least uh, if we're playing outside of the top twenty, we're like safe, right? But now it's like the top fifty. It's becoming more like oh, almost like they can take maps off of anyone, right? It's good. Yeah, I, I like it, right? But it's it's, it's uh, scary. It's scary. Imagine as a coach, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got to get Mahone watching a couple more demos, mate. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, Jesus, and these, like, just coming from IM Fall with all these Bulgarian teams, we play both Fiend and Skade, and they have, like, these, like, weird nicknames, like Rain Waker and yeah. Duplicates, and it's like, shit, this is going to be serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they had anime profile pictures up there as well. We just couldn't see them. Um, let's, let's do this. I want to go into this Blast 4 Finals conversation throughout. I want to bring you in immediately with this. Uh, Lucas, here's the bracket. Bring this up for everybody at home. Now, Prof Striker, I, I apologize. I'm going to put us in the back seat here because I feel we've already been over this three times over three shows. So we might just have Threat run us through the bracket as he sees it, right? So uh, the link I have here for everybody, all of our audio-only listeners, is the Blast Fall final bracket. It's double elimination. This event is kicking off in uh, a couple days' time, starting on the 24th of November from Copenhagen. Uh, the finals are going to be in the Royal Arena. All these screaming fans, you're going to be there having a great time. Uh, but the bracket here, Threat, with these roster changes, and, and you have one of them, and you have a banger of a game, do you want to take us through these matches? You don't have to go super in-depth, but like matchup for matchup, and how you see things progressing? So, if I saw with Navi big, yep. I mean, it would be so easy. It's just like, Navi's going to win this super easy 2-0. And obviously, they will be the favorites, but I think people will underestimate the chances of Big. I mean, if you try to like put this into some context here, right? Big is they are still, they're in the semifinal. They won their group in V4. So let's imagine a world where Big wins V4. They are, have a lot of confidence. Navi just come off a major win. Maybe they're feeling a bit content. Uh, and Big is really excited. I mean, Big has, I mean, in the past, they're the last team to beat Navi, right? Egg, yeah, outside of Gambit. possible. Could be outside possible. Outside of Gambit, that is. I, I think so, at least. Uh, so, obviously, I, I wouldn't say it's like 90-10, like many people would probably say. I would more say like 60-40, 70-30, that match. Okay. They, would probably, they would probably pick themselves up in the loser bracket if they would lose. So, uh, as for heroic phase. Oh, it feels a bit it, harder. Yeah, because okay, they're, just, they're just not the playing in front of the crowd. So, okay, if they play it in front of the crowd, I would say face, because I think maybe Heroic would feel the pressure playing, playing in front of the home crowd. Um, but it, that's going to be Heroic. I mean, face is just too inconsistent right now to bet on them. Okay. Uh, in the stats for, for Big that you mentioned, it is correct. The last team that beat them that wasn't Gambit was Big. ESL Pro League Season 14 on August 29th. Oh my god. And, and Bit <laughs> only had 15 kills over two maps. I don't know if we'll see that happen maybe ever again. So uh, there you go. There's a bit more bit more of the numbers. All right. So heroic on that one. Um, who's the oh, who's the next match? Vitality Liquid. Click too far. Oh, yeah. Ah, this one here. This one here is going to be a game for the ages, Threat. I'm sure you can't wait to watch two dead teams <laughs> go to war over a best of three. Well, I've got to say 
vitality in this one. They see, still seem pretty strong in, in practice, and uh, I'm just going to say vitality. I mean, Liquid is so shaky, and as it seems like it's confirmed, and all the fall into the old LG lineup or SK lineup, right? Uh, vitality, will, I, I think say vitality will win that easily, 2-0. Okay. okay, all right. So you're saying that Vitality, even though they're that team, you're, they're still practicing. They're practicing before this event. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, every team. I'm sure every team is doing that. But, but I mean, that that's gone over the days where teams would just be like too that casual that they just wouldn't care about. It. I think players. I mean, it can be a lot of controversies, and that's usually what you read about. But players in general are quite professional about these things nowadays. Okay. Sure, you're all laughing. <laughs> Let's, like, go. Oh, Let's go. That's all right. That's here. good news. It's nice. Nice. Yeah. That's 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 good news in itself. I I want let I won't put you in the awkward position to make yourself pick yourself over Astralis here. Let's do this. What do you think of the new Astralis roster on paper? Um, well, I think it's better than the old one. <laughs> they used the major. Okay. Because uh, yeah, we did play them there. Um, yeah, well, no, the, 16, you, you didn't play them, you owned them. 16-1? Yeah, 16-1. And we lost yeah. one of B3 versus Lucky. Yes, that's right. Yeah. You had to give them something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but no, in, in all honesty, the, the new Astralis lineup is uh, it's so hard to say because they also changed the coach. And it's not because I have a lot. I actually have... He was probably the best IGL in 1.6. And being a 1.6 player, yeah. I have crazy respect for Ave. But we're literally 10 years into the future now. It's too hard to know if this will work. And Sonic was so good at keeping the players and systems running very smoothly. Something that I know is very hard to do. And you remove him from this. And then you add the two very big personalities in BlameF and Config. Uh, I think... If something is going to be super high variance, that's what I'm going to call the new Astralis, which is kind of ironic considering all the Astralis was the exact opposite. Yeah. Just uh, to just to add on the save conversation, he's I I don't think he's going to be a blast with them yet. I think it was said something like Config and Blame would join them immediately, but A would come in somewhat later. I don't know for what reason exactly, but it was something. Yeah, the soonest possible, they said. But I haven't seen any videos with Ave or anything like that. They've done a bunch stuff. of stuff. I don't know what it is exactly. It could be well, like Hunden, whatever. it's really just a puppet for Hunden. <laughs> Actually, there, they've just signed Ave to be the face. Now they're they're doing the face-off thing currently. Right? <laughs> they're replacing it. Hunden's face with Ave's face. So Hunden can be without, behind the team. And Lucas. Ave is just going to be paid to look like Hunden. His whole life, essentially. Lucas, does this technology exist in uh, in your country? Do you dastardly Danes have that technology yet? I have no comment. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> anything's anything's possible here. Okay, so high variance on Astralis. Now let let's do these three quick ones with you throughout. Who's going to win the whole event? Uh, well, I won't say ourselves because that would just be you ruin the fun if you do that. Yeah, exactly. So I want to say Navi. Because also, the, it's very hard to look at the other teams and, like, seriously, it's hard they would win. Dummy. Yeah, like, Heroic. Yeah, Heroic gets the home crowd buff, and they win Blast. Okay. Yeah, like in, yeah, but this isn't a parallel universe where we, we don't exist, right? I like the story. Yeah. It's, it's one I'm going to try and sell in a couple days' time. 
I don't know how to... it's gonna work, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try. <laughs> yeah. Now you have two locations where you get a crowd buff. I think that that was the that was the play from the beginning. Awesome. Oh, as well. Yes. Wait, is Device gonna get booed or cheered? There's no way he's gonna get booed. What do you mean he left a strike? Dude, but heroic but we love get him. Heroic didn't love get booed we in love Sweden him. where there was like shitloads of Danish play, Danish people. So uh, yeah, but okay, hold up, guys, you're missing so much context here. Can we just put this for the Danish fans for a second? He okay. left the greatest Counter Strike team of all time, which represented Counter Strike as a nation in Denmark. But it's not like he left them to go to Liquid or to Cloud9. He went and cheated on them with the beautiful girl next door, Sweden, NIP, one of the biggest <laughs> rivals that the two countries that, that Counter-Strike has ever seen. That's what happened. So, Lucas, do you still love him yes, or are you yes, a little yes, bit yes. jaded? No, 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 no. Because now he brought in Easy Tech, you know? And he, and he only needs to kick one more, you know, one more guy and get another uh. Danish guy. And now we're Danish. You know, we, we ah, take... We, it's I an inside job. Guy. Uh, essentially, they, Could that be a that essentially, oh. essentially means that Stockholm <laughs> is now... Uh, Stockholm just becomes a part of Denmark, if that happens. So I feel like, yeah, he's onto something right there. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, so Harald but, but let's Yeah, okay. What what do you have? You have some more questions, right? No, I was just going to I was just gonna say who does the dark horse, but I would say that in that case, Harald could be the dark horse. We all think Navi's going to win. So that's... What about for NIP, for NIP's perspective? What, what are you looking to do here? Like, is there... I guess people are now saying, uh, new player, communication issues. So now they have two more months to be like, to be shit and have excuses for it. I'm actually like all of my questions are just like what people say on HLTV forums. So, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, I only told you that's how we work already, right? We're just waiting so for the you, NIP. So, you know all of the answers already. So, for, you're, you're yeah, I'm just looking for NIP blast here. Let's see. Uh, they're expected to go out last. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we expected. <laughs> no, but it's um, obviously when you make a player change, uh, I think there's in short term, there could be this honeymoon honeymoon phase but you will probably lose a little bit because uh, things won't go as smooth right as it would have gone with linus um but we, we definitely don't want to go into this and already have the mind it's like yeah this is just playful we don't want to win this we're, we're going in trying to win uh because we believe we can win and looking at these teams we can win we're not favored to win definitely not but we can win and i think that is very clear do you think you've got enough practice to be a fairly competitive team? Uh, what, what's it like in terms of that? Because we don't know how long these talks have been going on, how much you've been playing. You probably have been playing before the announcement as well. Uh, these things move quite kind of slow. Uh, how did that work? Like You have like two weeks of practice, I guess? Yeah, well, a little bit less. So we obviously want more practice, but in <laughs> this day and age of CS, you always want more practice. Right, you never have enough practice, and I think during Corona we actually become quite good at sort of uh, having as many match days as we have practice days, right? And it's a skill that I think a lot of the uh, other organizations have have mastered as well. Uh, so I think we we will get into decent shape, but sure there might be some hiccups, right? That's very hard to spot in practice that might show in the first match. And also on top of that, we're playing, as I said, like super high variance Astralis, where we like we have like no idea what we're getting into. Uh, so we're just trying to focus uh, on our own game, the most boring answer that everyone gives. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna acknowledge it, so it's fine. 
yeah, but it's, it's what we're going to try to do, but we're not going to go in having sort of that excuse mindset ready. Like, if things go bad, we can't have the mindset that was like, oh, because we just had SETAC, now then we have to fix the mistakes immediately, right? Because we, we literally have a tournament the day after or two days after or whatever yeah. it is, right? Um, so no, we, we won't make any excuses. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to jump into playtime now if everyone's cool with that. Lucas, do we need to roll the bumper? Is Do we... And we have to roll the bumper. All right, let's roll the playtime bumper. We're going to do the Paramatch Matchmaker game and some final questions with threat. All right, guys, we're going to get rid of that bumper if in the chat we don't... Oh, we, we do. We're getting some some claps. Feel, feels some, good, man. Stop hating the, time, the bumper. Oh, that's the better TV. You can get out all the, the wide people happies and all that. that great. great. All right, we got the reaction we're looking for there. Uh, we're going to jump straight into the Parimatch Matchmaker game. Now, uh, we need two links. What's going to happen here is Lucas is going to PM threat a link that nobody at home will get to see. He's also going to PM a link to the other three of us that everybody at home will get to see. Now, this time round, Prof, I, you told me at the start of the show, but that was two hours ago. What? Uh, what is I, the? We have, I think, five like top ten teams, and we have some like descriptions for them. I think one of it is like who's okay, going to win the land first. Here we right. go. G2 Gambit Heroic Phase Fanatic, and then the descriptive terminology here that Threat is going to be able to talk us through is first to win a land, first to change. Number two team of 21, high potential, need more work, exciting to watch, annoying to face. So you can start us anywhere you want here, Threat. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to start with G2 then, because okay. they're at the top. Uh, and when you say first to win the land, you mean out of these teams or next year? Uh, out of these teams, out of these teams. Out of these teams, okay. Uh, so G2... Probably not the first to win a land because they're not even playing Blast, so that would only be an Aya all this year. Unless, well, I'm going to say first to change because okay. of the changes we just discussed yep. for a very long time. So, obviously, first to change, I think uh, this almost goes without saying. Yep. Uh, I think they they need some more work. But they have very high potential. Okay, I Can like this. We got a lot going. This is good. He's taking full advantage of all the options here. This is what we're looking for. Yes. He not only did he smash who wants to be a skinnier here, he's nailing this segment right now as well. This might next be... time for threat. We'll just do like all just game shoes. Yeah, <laughs> from the start. I, this yeah. is like speed running. It should be confirmed, right? <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think like annoying to face. Even though we lost them in the major. Because uh, at that point, I felt like their win condition was sort of being the sort of uh, committing to all the calls and having Nico play that well. And uh, there's a lot of teams that have very, very good players that we face right now. So compared to other teams, I don't think they're necessarily annoying to face. Uh, not compared to the CIS teams, right? Okay. They're, they're okay. much more annoying. Again, uh, annoying to face? Yeah, so let's go on to Gabbit. Annoying to face. There we what go. What makes them annoying? Okay, this is what's annoying with playing Gavit, right? It's it feels like you know what they're going to do, and like you prepare and, and with all other teams, I sort of have this mental frame of like, okay, this is what they do, 
they are good at this, they're sort of bad at this. But with them, I sort of see like they're extremely good at some things, but they can be very poor at other things. And then they sort of just, I mean, you see at the V4 tournament, they can like lose to V4 or to V4 Enterprise. Uh, but they're also the only team to have beaten Navi in the Navi era, right? So they sort of have the highest highs. And when you're playing them, I mean, I think I even have a round example here in my mind where we play them on Inferno once. Where we have like the perfect read. Uh, I don't know if it was on the prep or just an in, in a mid-round call, but we sort of knew they were coming short on apps on Inferno, right? So we're blocking them. It's like 15 seconds left. We smoked everything off and we were like 5v4. And you just fast forward 20 seconds and we're like, you know, one on two after plant on A. And it's like, how does this happen? Like they, they, they sort of just magicians of like making something out of absolutely nothing. So when you're reviewing that, it's, it's really hard to, to know what to do because it feels like you're doing everything right when you're playing them. And I know a lot of other teams have the same mindset. I think, I think they're just so good at some of the basic things, uh, which might be the key to their success. And maybe other teams are underestimating that part, but they're very annoying to play against. Do you think it's it's more like individual skill or that the team being so long together so between each of the players they know what to do and how to kind of complement themselves and and then you know 15 seconds they know what everyone's going to do so they can figure out like the ideal route to win the round Yeah I I think it's more the tiny things in the mid rounds like getting into a good crossfire in an afterplant because if you watch them I don't think they're sort of masters of sort of understanding the rotations perfectly and making a really smart mid-round call sort of that on the Astralis level when they were in their prime, that they did really well. But because as I said, right, you can even have them in your trap, right? You read their rotations, but there's you still need to finish them off, right? Even if you, you read them, that round is not just going to win itself. Uh, and that's where they're just like very very efficient and, and all trading situations yeah sorry about the little gambit rant, rant no, there no it's no, good it's i want to i want to like the thing is we can only watch it right I, we can't yeah. really perceive what you're telling us now so this is this is the nuggets at home that people should be paying attention to do they fit any of these other categories or is it just annoying to annoying to face uh well obviously second best team of 2021 uh you think uh, they're still yeah, they're the start of the year. You think I, I'm trying to think if there's like G2 there's with nobody the only one. Obvious, yeah, but G2 with the major and the Cologne Grand Finals, right? Unless I guess other it's been spottier other than that. So yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, they are the, yeah, I mean heroic could be up for discussion, but this is definitely gonna be Gambit because they were the best team in the world in the start, and that's enough for me. Okay. Yeah, nice. regardless of these results, they will be the second best team. Uh um, one as many titles either, like not even close. Um, well, high potential. It's hard to pick that when there's a second best team in the world. Um, yeah, you, I don't, have the, I, you have the mindset with Gambit that that just feeding into that high potential comment um, that if they do get more of this land experience under their belt, they're one of the teams that can go toe to toe with Navi because, like right now, it feels like there's a massive void between Navi and everybody else. Yeah, I mean. They have maybe they sort of the, the kryptonite of Navi in some way, even though Navi have beaten them a few times now in a row. Um, I don't know. Like I wish I could answer this, but it's it's sort of like I obviously haven't figured them out because we just keep <laughs> losing to Gambit. Um, 
I, I don't know. But they're, as I said, like they're, they're the team where I don't know. Like, I really don't know what, how they are so good they are. But they've clearly proven it both at LAN now and online. Mm. It's like, undeniable, right? They're a weird team. Um, other than that, I don't think there's any other of these options I would put. Like, first to win a LAN. Um, first maybe to champ. Maybe V4, but that's kind of a... Yeah, well, I can pick that. It's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I already said big. I'm gonna go for a. I have to be like go for a yolo. You have to be consistent. Yeah, yeah, like well, let's go. Big is gonna win v4. You heard it here first. That's the headline. That's yeah. what we're oh, running no. with. After the show's <laughs> over, we're running with that. We're running with that as the headline. Like, 100% sure. <laughs> <laughs> Moses guarantee. Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh God. Uh, other than that, like first to change, obviously not high potential. Yeah, we're still we're, like they're very good. Need more work? No. Well, I would say that. Like I would I even take need more work, because as I said, like there are some things which is very scary about them, right? Like that they can still have all these flaws, and they're still that good. So I think if they could solve those problems, maybe it's because they have a very very young lineup. Hmm. Uh, they can definitely compete with with Navi or have their own era, right? Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to heroic. Friendly Danes. Well, if I have, I'm gonna be consistent. I have first win the land because I said like 100% they're gonna win blast, right? Or, or what was it I said? Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said, yeah. If I'm if we're not there with the home crowd buff. Yeah, with the home yeah. crowd buff. Yeah. Okay. So first to win the land. Um. They're not gonna change lineup. Uh, I would say the third best team of twenty-one, not the second best. Okay, that's high praise. Uh, I would say they. Uh, well, obviously high potential, and need more work. Because okay. they sort of go hand in hand in some ways. I think they might have the highest level out of the top teams. I mean, I think we've seen matches with heroic where they sort of hit a a gear. That's like like very very good and like no one can stop them. Mm. It just seems like they're so like they need the momentum so much and I, I think the work they need to do is sort of how can they be a bit more consistent and sort of deal with sort of like they're sitting on stage trying to hype up and they're down eight one because uh, I don't know Nico clutched a one with three or something and they're sort of being able to get back to that level because I think that's what they need to work on right. Cool. Yeah, now I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, exciting to watch. Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of funky moves. They're probably the most dynamic CT team in the world. Um, they are very aggressive and they're sort of, they always do something. They're sort of the opposite of CIS teams in some ways. Where yeah, CIS that's teams a good are, way to look at them. Yeah, like, okay, they, like if you have a spectrum here, right? This will be Virtus Pro and yeah. this will be Heroic. <laughs> I don't know if you see my hands in my camera. There, there we go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the absolute opposite teams like Virtus Pro, they're like ridiculous. They get naded and lose 50 HP. And it's like, hey, I'm probably going to save you guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it. I've seen them save like 4v5 on a T side of gun round on Inferno after they lost the opening pick. I was like, are you fucking serious? But yeah, yeah, whatever. It works. They win. I, you can't argue with it, can you? That's the yeah. problem threat. It's not exciting, but you can't argue with it. it. It is very smart to do. And I like, I wish I had 
knew how to get my players to do like those <laughs> super logical decisions all the time because like obviously no one else is doing it. But you have James there who's like quick scoping everyone, like sitting with a cup of tea. Did you see that clip? That's so <laughs> hilarious. Fuck it, no. <laughs> it's a lot. Is it? It's, uh, this is the problem. This is why Valve are going to implement short matches at majors instead because of this fucking saving. I can feel it in my bones. Yeah. I can yeah, but feel it, it in my bones. Part. I mean, it, it, it becomes um, that sort of expected, right? When teams become um, much closer, the game becomes much more of a poker game, right? You have your chips, which is economy. And you want to bet if you want to, like, when you're committing to a strat, it's sort of like you're you're putting the chips on the table. But you still have the option to just fold, right? True. Uh, and, and that's how I think they view it. And unfortunately here, Chad, a lot more teams are going to play this way. Yeah. Because teams will be better. And maybe we'll get a patch to, to solve the economy. We, we don't know, right? Um because where we're heading right now, it's going to be boring for the, the viewers. What, it is. Let, I want to float this one while we're in this, right? I want to float this idea. Now, I think I've mentioned it on the show before, Threat, but I'd love to hear what you think about this, right? Now, right now, there's a couple of bomb sites that stick out in my mind where you can stay very close to the bomb after you've planted it as a T and you're in no risk of dying, right? Nuke, for example, certain plant spots, you can stay in the control room window. You don't have to exit. You don't have to worry about CTs killing you. Exit. Be site even. Exactly. You can sit at the car. You don't have to exit the site. You don't have to worry about any CTs who are there doing damage to you in that way, right? If it was more deadly, the bomb radius, or it was a wider, larger bomb radius, I know I need to be careful now how I speak with these terms because it can be quite finicky. But basically, if the end goal was that after the T's had established the, the post plant, they now had to work on exiting. And it would force them into areas where the CTs could be waiting for exit kills, which means if you exit too early as a T, it might initiate CTs to go for a last second retake. Do you think that could be a way to deal with these slower ends of games? Like that is is that a concept that you think is is something that that could have pros and cons? Because one of the pros is even if the CTs just go just go to closer positions to get exit kills, it's going to keep the economy closer, right? They're not going to get to save all their guns. It's not going to blow out, and we get more end round action. And then in the one out of 10 or the two out of 10 occasions where the CTs posture a little bit closer, right? They're going to fall back when the bomb's going off too, but they're close enough that you as a T have to exit or you're going to die. You get a kill. Maybe you go for the retake in the last 10 seconds. You know, that may, maybe just maybe it could have a little bit more active ends to, to rounds. I don't know. That's something that I was thinking about. Yeah. I mean, I really like the idea that you have to make that choice as T. Like, okay, should we just play it safe and lose the weapons and secure the round or should we actually fall back that that, that would be an interesting dynamic because i do i completely agree with you that part of the round is usually uh like very boring uh, i think where it could backfire is if the cities are like i think a lot of good teams would just sort of block all the escape routes yeah and make sure the t's died all the time and we're already in a like very seat decided meta yeah and you have a lot of <laughs> cis teams so they would be even more careful with the T economy, which means like if they're investing into a push, they definitely need like need to know this is gonna go well because they can only have like three or four buy rounds per half because every time they plant, they I don't know they all die or something, right? Yeah. The the, the CTs will maybe like stack the other side and just block their escape routes. Um, I I think you know also like but I, I like the idea that that sort of thinking a bit outside of the box. I think 
and maybe like the chat will hate me now, but I think Valorant has some good like cult of life changes to the game, right? And I don't think like the community should sort of like hate each other. Obviously, they had a chance to change those things. Um, it's like maybe compromising the economy and have fewer rounds will make more sense. Because the, the thing here also, like when you have fewer rounds, that's why it's like wasting a round is not that big of a deal because mm. it's only one out of 30. Whereas if you only played like less rounds, it would be a much bigger deal to just save. Uh, yeah. So I think that is a pretty good solution to the problem. Though we have to change the economy then so we don't go into the back. I don't know how old school you are if you played in the MR12 days where you like you lost both pistol rounds and the game is it's over. GG. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's GG. Didn't work right. Yeah. Okay. I derailed us there a little bit. Sorry, threat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, take us back to the parry match matchmaker. Uh, we got FaZe and Fnatic left. Okay, FaZe. Um, first to win a LAN. Nope. Uh, first to change. Uh, well, we were wishing for the ROPs change, but I, I haven't heard any rumors about it. Um, oh, what the hell? I have two teams first to change. They will change the same day. Okay. That works <laughs> nicely, though, with the yeah. okay. uh, They have high potential. I have to give them that. They need more work, definitely. Um, I, I think they're quite exciting to watch, I'd say. I think Kerrigan calls with a lot of passion. And I, I, I don't think... Well, obviously, yes, I'm, I'm building systems in CS2. I think the more rigid way is better. That's why I'm a coach working for NLP now, right? But it's it's exciting to watch someone that tries to improvise that much and trying to solve problems on the fly. And there are definitely pros mm -hmm. to it. There's not, not only cons to calling that way, even though things will be like, the, the place might be a bit more uncomfortable because you're making stuff up on the fly. Um, is a very good way of calling under high in high pressure situations or like in deep overtime matches where like everything goes. Uh, so I think Kerrigan is a very exciting IGL to watch. Okay, nice. Yeah, I mean they they won't go for the four v five save. No, they love it. They'll get stuck <laughs> in. That's and that's what you want to see. Uh, all right, fanatic. The fanatic. Okay, Swedish Englishman. Uh, I'm gonna say high potential. Need more work. Exciting to watch. Boom. All right. Yeah. Bang. And look at like some fucking tentacle porn we got on our screen right here. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I love that. I was going to say this is like the most complicated parrot, like most no one like, can see anything from this. <laughs> I like that. Uh, it's, the, it's the most well thought it's out good. one we've had. It's, it's the one good. that's had the most descriptive terminology used as well. All right. That's the end of the Parry Match Matchmaker segment. Now we're over two hours as per usual here. Um, but what I want to do at this, at this point is we usually have some viewer questions and I'm sure we, Striker Prof, have a couple of questions left over for threat as well. Uh, Strike, you got anything in the back of your mind? I mean, just in general, we didn't really touch on the way the major ended for you guys, which I guess was massively anticlimactic, I'm sure, for you guys Not as well, in their I'm major sure. jerseys, though, Striker. I want you to make sure <laughs> that you're clear on that. They did change back. It was a bit of a Mighty Ducks moment. Threat, did you have anything to do with the jersey chain? Uh, no, Striker already asked me this at yeah. the event, actually. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I mean, I... I actually like it's on horse, but I don't really care so much about this. I was like, wear this. Yeah, like, it's just okay, clothes. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I could wear a clown suit if we win matches. Let's go. Yep. You know, I, I think I can say this, but I when I asked Jonas about it, about if they if they budge to the community pressure and saying, uh, 
uh, saying pocket, we'll just go back to the old jerseys. His exact words were, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's more the players you have to worry about with that shit. Like what happens is one of them goes, man, I played so much fucking better at IM uh, fall when we were in the other jersey. Like, man, I had a Mars bar and I was fucking dropping 30, oh, yeah. man. Like that's yeah. the shit where you just yeah. go, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like it's true though, right, Threat? Yeah, yeah, maybe not so that many, true. We have so many of those players, but... those comes like memes. Like it's ever like if someone has to have leg day and during match day, oh, and it's like day. almost like it's gone so far. It's like almost not a joke anymore. It's like, fuck. <laughs> like you have two legs. Like, yeah, but I did it yesterday. It's like yeah, <laughs> like, bad do it again. when we lose, right? It's like you've done like five hours prep. It's like yeah, this doesn't matter. I just need to do those squats, right? <laughs> and then it's like secure the victory. Oh, they didn't have scrambled eggs for breakfast today. Well, fuck, boys, it's all over. The thing is, the problem is, a lot of the time, that kind of stuff that comes out of players' mouths, you're hoping they're joking, but as soon as it gets into the teammates' heads around them, it doesn't matter if they were joking or not. It's like, it's fucked already. And it's yeah. so silly that that's a thing, but it truly is a thing. I remember it vividly. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's sort of like it's, it's, you go to a new event and you're sort of sitting at the table and one player's like, Oh, the, the angle of the table seems a bit off. And then everyone else is like, yeah, maybe it is. And they like, played that match for like 30 minutes. It's like, what? This doesn't make any sense. You played 30 minutes and just said it was fine. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we still have some of that. But I think every team, is, as I said, like on the, the people being more professional, I think there's something both the teams and the players are working on, right? To make it more professional. Yeah, uh, I hope so. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it's better than it was four years ago. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I derailed you. The, right the there, this is a serious question. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. No, just like a reflection on on the major for you guys, because I obviously like there were some high moments, some low moments. But what's your reflection on the major? Yeah. So going into the major, we we had real high expectations, as I think we should have. I think um, I think that was even the headline. Like if it was overhyped, and I would say yes. Us being ranked second in the world was a bit overhyped because I mean we only played the the European RMR qualifier and we played the the Blast qualifier before that. Uh, but also we did beat all the teams, so that is also true, right? We went to those events and we did beat them. We beat almost every good team and in pro league before that, even though we didn't win, we had a very like two zero gambit. So we we've basically gone through the entire top ten. Except for Navi the past year, and don't like we we can we we can beat anyone, and we just came up a win, right? Uh, so we had really high expectations. It was just we sort of knew that the CIS teams might be a struggle. Uh, well, uh, we played Navi in the group, lost to both of them. We had that very very intense match versus Copenhagen Flames. Like oh my god, uh, it's probably one of the most intense experiences in my life. Um, especially because I couldn't do anything. Uh, it was a very weird experience because you're just sitting there. I mean, you probably saw me sitting there like this, and I. Uh, it was horrible. So, uh, we did win that, and I have to give some credit here to Copenhagen Flames. Uh, they played a very, very good tournament. I, I don't want to sort of take anything away from that just because I, like we had a bad tournament. I still think that was a pretty good match. It was very scrappy the last match with a lot of mistakes from both teams. But of course, right, you're playing the last map so much on the line. It's not like you're getting top eight of the major, you're getting a coin, it's stickers, it's everything. Uh, so obviously tons of mistakes from both teams, but we managed to 
push our way through that. And at that point, it sort of felt like we, okay, we, we made it past the sort of the, the hard test of the tournament. We, we made it past Copenhagen Flames, who had upset a lot of teams. Um, and we didn't sort of have a like really tournament. And then when uh, we saw, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 continue. I thought you were done. You had, you had this like, pause of like two like half a second longer than a normal pauses and i'm like oh he's done so I yeah you know you know sweets we have all these like weird Do it. Continue, awkwardness please. things um anyway we, we we see we have g2 in the bracket as well that we did beat just a few weeks ago like quite uh uh i think it was uh no it was a two one because it was ancient anyway we, we did beat them and we, we felt very comfortable playing them. We sort of knew which maps we were going to get. We were going to get into Inferno and Mirage. Mirage is not a strong map, but we did beat them last time on it. It's like, okay, they, they're going to pick into a map that just lost to us. And we're going to get Inferno that we like we crushed Miles, Astralis, and Copenhagen Flames on, right? We just felt like a lot of confidence going into that match. Uh, and then, as I said, like the pistol round that I only talked about. And it sort of just... It was sort of like we ran into a brick wall and we were just very shocked how we lost that match. Just 2-0. It didn't really feel like we got anything going outside of the, the CT Inferno. I mean, we did turn it into 13-11 at a point. We took like seven, six, seven rounds in a row until Nico broke us again. He just pushed B, double entried us both. Um, but we, we were sort of like, the review after, like very quiet because we, we really maybe still haven't really figured out what happens. I mean, maybe there are some inconsistencies, problems. I, I, we're not going to scapegoat and blame this on Linus in any way, right? He was, like, really good versus Copenhagen Flames. Um, he struggled a bit on stage, as did other players in the team. But it was sort of... Uh, it just felt very mediocre going out in the quarterfinal. Especially also because the, the, the biggest portion of the crowd didn't come until the weekend. Hmm. And it was just sucked that we missed out on that. And I don't know if we're ever going to get a chance to have a major in Stockholm, like building the sort of Cinderella story again. But we sort of have to come to terms with that. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, that right there, I didn't, I, well, I did consider that, but it's like the, the turnout of the crowd from the, the opening days to the Saturday, Sunday, like night and day in terms of just the atmosphere in that arena. Um, so that's that one there does, yeah. I can imagine. I mean, to be, to be fair, during the NIP game, the atmosphere was huge. It didn't feel like a whatever 4,000 crowd. It felt like full arena because they were all behind an IP. Yeah, that's that's true. That's the I have, uh, I have two way. questions. Uh, one two. is a short two questions. One okay. is a short one. I mean, it's kind of, kind of a short one, but maybe it's not a short one. We'll see what the answer is like. Uh, going into the event, we, I think statistically, everyone looked at ancients and uh, NIP is ancient. You, you're like 8-1 on it, and people are thinking, okay, IP have Ancient under lock, they are going to use it to just abuse it all the time, pick it, everyone's going to just lose Ancient to them. But then the actual Major started, and you didn't even pick it, You, I think you played it maybe once or twice. Third match uh, a couple times, wasn't it? What was the, did, did everyone like misread the situation? Like, was your Ancient just not that, that good? Because looking at the scores, they were quite close, maybe. Maybe it was just like everyone was... On the on the wrong wrong boat there, I, I think our our ancient. I mean, we haven't played Navi, but uh, we have basically beaten everyone else on it, and I think we are definitely top three on it in the world. I'd say, uh, so we were very confident. It was actually more that sort of our our CT Inferno was so strong that we 
just felt like we could just head into that map versus any team. And I mean, I, we, we actually showed that, I would even say, in most of the matches. Yeah. I think something that took us a bit by surprise was how much we struggled on the, the T-sides on every map. And that actually doesn't only go for Inferno, uh, but on Inferno as well. So we, we just sort of felt like our T-side, it's, it's been decent when we practiced. Um, but our T-side was just so strong. And I mean, we had like 14-1 versus... Uh, Australis 12-3 versus uh, Mouse, and then we were down 10-5 versus Copenhagen Flames. It won 11-2. A seat. Like, yeah, you, you see my point, right? We, yeah, we just, hmm. yeah. So it was it was definitely that that made us pick Inferno over Ancient. Obviously, Ancient was all, always there uh, for consideration. The the T side is the second part that I wanted to ask. Is Eseta gonna be a part of the like? Is Eseta a part of the solution to to NIP's T sides? Yes, it will take a bit more work though, so I don't think we will see any major changes. And uh, this might sound a bit like scapegoating. I think we sort of noticed we struggled with the T sides after the patch, because it's very clear like that the average rounds you get sort of shifted like two, three rounds more in favor of the CTs, um, and not only because of the M4, but also because of the nades. It's just very easy. Like you're just so flexible as CT, where you just put an extra nade set somewhere where you really need it, and it's so hard you can't count the nades as T anymore because they can just drop it, uh, and it makes things a lot more awkward. And not, not like overpowered, but two three rounds, and two three rounds is actually a lot, right? I mean, if you compare ten five to eight seven, that, that that's a big deal. And maybe they were we were struggling a bit before, and this sort of amplified this by a lot. So just having S tag now. Um, coming like being really good in those like rigid astrology systems, yeah, it's definitely something we we're trying to apply now. Okay. Uh, oof, I'm just trying to think. Do we have anywhere else we want to pivot here, boys? Is there anywhere else we want to go with the with the questions? Is there any anything from the viewers, Prof? Uh, so, who's the best Swedish player right now? You asked that one, yeah. Even though you didn't know the questions, yep. Uh, blah blah. Okay, we asked that. If you had won the major, would you still make a roster change? Oh. Yeah. It would sound so like diplomatic. It like, depends on the context, because it yeah. definitely would, right? Like, I had, it would depend too much on the context to just answer that <laughs> yes or no, right? But it's, it's, I, I can't say. Okay, so yeah, here you go. No, I was gonna say I was gonna ask about Mahone. Um, I always like to find out more because the coaching role is a role that we don't know too much about, and same as the analyst role within the teams. Um, and Mahone, I had watched his stuff online, and then he was your analyst, and I heard some good stuff from from some of the teammates that he does a good job. I just wanted to hear it from your Matthew because I'd assume you'd work the closest with him, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's just a machine. He's, he really helps me a lot with the prep. Uh, not only with the prep, but he's, uh, he's here now working with the team. And, like, just giving me a second perspective. Also, like, I mean, our schedule is so intense. It's sharing the load with someone who is also very passionate about CS. And also someone that's actually a bit outside of the sort of Scandinavian-Swedish bubble. Mm. And have a completely different view set, right? In some ways, I actually like that he hasn't gone through like the pro scene and like the steps everyone else has, 
it just makes things very different when he's there. And I think he's obviously doing a very, very good job. Um, yeah, just an awesome guy, like very self-critical. We always wants like feedback and how we can change things, the prep and everything. Uh, just awesome to have him on board. And yeah, it's very interesting that we found him through through YouTube, right? Great, right? Like yeah. imagine if you had like this is the thing which blows my mind is all the resources that are available today and just how quick that they're doing it. Like how quick a match happens and it's on YouTube the next day. Like just the highlights, the 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 cool new smoke, the one way. Nothing's a mystery anymore in Counter Strike, and I can imagine for you it must make your job uh, a pleasure and a nightmare at the same time. It's like how many because you're not coming up with new things anymore. You're no longer revolutionizing the wheel, right? You just you you kind of. You're still trying to think outside the box, I imagine, but it must be so difficult to do so these days with everybody having everything so well ironed out. Yeah, and also, like, if you find, like, a new crazy execute, let's take the old cobble execute, I mean, way back, right? People would use it the day after, like, in matchmaking, it feels like. Because, yeah. I don't know, Nord out here is a very good resource as well, right? Yeah. I mean, you can just YouTube. I, I need a aid for this. and Just YouTube it. Oh, I do a mid-game now. Sorry, I'm when I play pugs, I do yeah. it mid game. Like I, I, I got stuck <laughs> holding middle on Vertigo, right? And I was like, fuck, I need a Molotov here. I need that one that bugs through the floor to help my B defender or some shit. Like I just YouTube it mid game, and then like I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm going. Like obviously that's not applicable when you guys are on LAN or anything, but uh, yeah, it, you can learn like that quickly now. It's, 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 it's Counter Strike for dummies at this point. I love it. It's great. Yeah, I mean, we literally do that too, right? So if it's like we mess something up, we're just scrimming. They said, like, yeah, Bjorn, can you just check this out and you show me next round? And I was like, yeah, it's uh, the leaf to the right or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hi, Hi, what? Yeah, yes. Striker. Striker is no, like no, sleeping. No, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I try to wake him up. It's a Friday <laughs> Lucas, night. You Lucas is just like messaging me if we made the joke about Thread being here, even though we hate each other, apparently. So. Oh, yeah. The whole the whole rivalry with HTTV.org and, and, uh, and, and IP. IP. But it's. It's just Jonas. I was going to have a word to Jonas at the end of the video, Lucas. I have sake. one more question, and this yes. is not from the HLP forums, but my <laughs> kind of a, could be completely wrong. But I have this feeling that, like, you, as someone that's like from 1.6, old school player, in game leader, all of this, and Hampus as a completely like new age, run around, shoot heads in game leader. You have like a quite different view of the game. And like that is maybe a blessing and a curse in, in some way. Like, how do you and Hampus actually get along in terms of creating a system, strats, game plan for, for games? Uh, surprisingly, we share a lot of ideas. Okay. A lot of ideas. And I mean, you can look at Hampus and you, what you remember, it's the same. Like with my career, right? Like people remember all oh, the crazy cobble smokes. And the same with Hampus. You will always remember the sort of, oh, he pushed behind them and knifed the guy on B Mirage, right? Because that's what you remember, right? But then you have all the like boring in between rounds where people just default as a trade, they plant the bomb and save. And he, he, he actually likes like a sort of a rigid system, but he likes to throw in his own type of variance into it, right? Uh, I mean, obviously, we disagree about some things, and we can have some heated discussions about it, which is very, very healthy. Um, so, yeah, I think we we actually agree on most things, even though, as you said, right, I'm I'm old school and he's new school. I think people still have to play by the same meta. Okay. Okay. Uh, I got one last one here, and unless anybody has anything they want to interject. 
We're good. All right, cool. What the fuck's going on with Plopsky? Because I don't think we're getting the best Plopsky. What's wrong with him? Why is he not shooting people in the head anymore? I guess, is there no trained pop dog for him to be in or doing these Weasley stuff? Like, like, he's he's dropped. I just had a look. 2019 and then 2020, he dropped down even more. And then now he's he's dropped down to just a a one rating. He's... He's not fragging as much as the Popsky I remember. I think this this is uh, twofold, right? One thing is uh, obviously that the player changes because he has been playing with that at that position with the new player at every time we changed, right? So that's been very tough for him. Mm. Um, also, I think some of like the the meta shifters has like the game has changed a lot during COVID, um, and. I, I sort of having all these players changes. I don't think uh, I and we have had enough time to sort of get him into that um, comfort zone of his with a new player, and that's also part of what we really like about Essetai uh, now, right? It's the same thing what I brought up that Apex said about Kyojin, where we sort of need someone that takes a lot of initiative and that has experience and just like wants to do things in game. That like the sort of very Danish heroic way of playing, right? Where you're in a 4v4, you just look at your utility and you look at your teammates, like, let's go, I'm going to flash you here, let's do it. Because that's something we've really been lacking and that's something that he really enjoys. He, he, he wants someone to sort of push him a bit then. Okay. So to, to, to like tell him to make the play. So it's like he was, he's the, the youngest, the youngest kid, but there were, there were new kids in the house type thing. Now he get, he can kind of go back to that with this, this new edition of Estatag, right? Device, Estatag, Rez, all pretty experienced and Hampus, well, the in-game leader, he's not going to have any issues doing that type of shit. So, okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll get to see uh, in the short term how Plopsky goes from there. Now, uh, threat, end of the show. So I want to open the, uh, the airwaves to you. If you want to talk to the people at home, the fans, if you want to, want to say anything at all, this is, this is your time. Uh, well, I'm happy that we still have so many fans just following us and cheering for us, even though we've sort of had this rumor with all like the roster changes and the academy team. Uh, we're really just trying to make the best possible CS lineup we can right now. It is very, very tough, especially after COVID and with all the C- all these CIS teams. Uh, so we may have to make these sort of hard decisions. Um, and yeah, I hope you still guys uh, can believe in us and we're <laughs> we're still a Swedish core. So where we won't go full CIS yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll wait and see. Monacy's going to have to learn a little bit better English before then. Uh, all right. Cool. Everybody, we happy, Striker. You, you're good. You're still awake. Yep. Give, give everybody a wave. Prof, you're still smiling. You're looking, yeah. you're looking as bright, shining bright like a diamond. I know it's a Friday okay. night, guys. I'll, I'll turn it down a bit. I know okay. we're not used to having the HLTV confirmed on the Friday night, but first and foremost, thank you to Threat for joining us. It's been fantastic. I always love to hear his insights. Always very well thought out. A, a gentleman and a scholar. Uh, thank you for you guys for tuning in on your Friday night. Thanks to Lucas for being here and pushing the buttons and Prof and Striker for joining as always. This has been HLTV confirmed episode 64. We'll see you. Prof, you want to preview That's this? On Sunday. Not this Sunday. But not this Sunday. Not this Sunday. Not this Sunday. Next Sunday. From uh, Copenhagen, we're going to be doing it live from Blast uh, with the three of us, and we'll organize someone to be with us there to talk counter. So uh, we'll see you guys then. That will be Sunday the 28th. We'll be back. Peace out. Bye.
Add some fun to your space with Extrify, designed in Sweden with focus on quality products built on experience. You're looking at Project 4, their fourth generation of products with super cool colorways to stand out, with matching sets to satisfy with a solid B4 bungee, lightweight ergonomic M4 mouse, the K4 keyboard is fantastic, all of which are performance focused, and finish it off with colorful GP4 mouse mats that are bold in design and smooth on the surface. The retro theme in particular has got the feels. Complete your setup with Extrify, no regrets, Guaranteed. I'm in the house and sector clear, but there is the window. Hate this badge. I'll take the fire through the pillar, whatever. Play with Parry Match. Parry Match, your esports teammate. Stuck ranking up, lost the motivation to grind. Bored of clicking heads on AIM maps? Get some color into your game. Bitskins.com. Buying and selling skins made easy. Tons of payment methods and instant cash outs. Just choose your dream skins, select your preferred payment method, and start grinding again. If you want to play like the pros, you've got to look like the pros. The nice thing about displays are super high quality and very easy to hang up. All you have to do is mount the magnet they provide you, then just stick the poster on the wall. Every art piece they offer is super collectible and looks great no matter where you place it in your house or room. Another wonderful thing about display is they also look after the environment. Every poster someone buys, display will plant one tree. They've already planted over 14 million trees and they're still planting. So you're not just getting an awesome poster, you're also helping the environment. 